All right, good evening, everybody. I think we're going to get started. Uh, two commissioners will, will not be joining us tonight. So, are we ready? All right, very good. Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll, if you're ready? Commissioner Abbey? Here. Commissioner Busa? Here. Commissioner Farley? Here. Commissioner McCarty is absent. Commissioner Zucker is absent. Fair Vice Chair Lagerkrist. Here. Chair Comden. Here. Thank you. Um, there is no uh, review and approval of any minutes. There were no minutes at the last meeting because it was strictly informational. Uh, thank you, Chair Comden. There will be minutes. However, since that was just a, two weeks ago, we're not done preparing those minutes. We'll bring it to the next meeting. Very good. Okay. So those will be reviewed in the future. All right, let's go to public communications. This is the time set aside during the committee meeting for members of the public to address the committee on planning related business other than regularly scheduled items. Madam Clerk, do we have any speakers on this? Chair Comden, we have no public communications. Okay, very good. Let's get right into the formal items. Project uh, 15382. <laughs> Staff, are we ready to present? Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, good evening. My name is Jamie Peltier. I'm the principal planner. Um, nice to meet a couple of new commissioners tonight. Tonight we have um, the Poli Project, three units. The subject site's located at 405 Poli Street. The three residential unit project in the downtown, is in the downtown specific plan, T4.1 zone, very high fire zone, hillside height overlay, and is adjacent to um, historic landmark number 64, identified as the Breaky House, um, as seen in the yellow star in the aerial. Um, and then all, although there are a couple of historic resources in the area, this is not a historic overlay or historic district. Um, the subject site is a vacant site and is steeply sloped uh, with the lower elevation along Poli and slopes upwards towards Breaky Road. <clears throat> the, character in, uh, the character of the vicinity would be described as eclectic in terms of uses and design. The surrounding properties consist of single-family residential, multifamily, and some commercial across the street on Poli, all of which have a variety of architectural styles. <clears throat> The proposed project consists of three detached single-family units. The main residence is situated at the rear of the site, totaling approximately 2,800 square feet with a 560 square foot exterior deck and 650 square foot two-car garage accessed from Breaky Road. Um, units one and two are situated at the front along Poli Street and um, on the first floor, there's approximately 790 square feet, and on the second floor, 682 for both of the units. Uh, those units share a courtyard and a two-car garage below unit two. Some background to the project. Um, this went to the design review committee um, for review to the um, design guidelines in the downtown specific plan. The DRC recommended the Planning Commission approve the project with one condition of approval that the landscaping palette meet 
um, the high fire defensible landscaping requirement um, with drought tolerant and low water use plants. In addition, it went to the Historic Preservation Committee and they reviewed the project because the site is contiguous to a lot containing a historic resource, the Brakey House, um, using the historic design guidelines and the Secretary of the Interior standards. Uh, the project was sent to the historic, uh, city's historic consultant, HRG, and they provided a memo to the HPC, um, and the HPC agreed with HRG that the project is consistent with the historic guidelines and the Secretary of Interior standards. They provided one comment to the project, saying, uh, asking the applicant to ensure that the development is um, consistent with the setbacks of the historic resource to maintain a cohesive frontage um, to, to the historic resource. Uh, the applicant has verified those setbacks and provided um, some information to staff that they remain consistent with the historic resource and compliant with the zoning standards. HPC recommended to move the project forward to Planning Commission with an approval. The site's located in the T4.1 zoning district that is geared more towards um, lower scale residential and commercial neighborhood uses rather than the denser, more urban uses that you would see in the T6.1 or 5.1 zones. The proposed project generally meets the development standards of the T4.1. There are two exceptions for building placement and parking placement that I will discuss later. Um, the project meets 20 of the 22 applicable standards of the T4.1 zone. The selected building type was a duplex, triplex, quadplex as identified in the DTSP. The triplex building type intends for buildings to um, contain at least three units and have individual access directly from the street. Two of the buildings are connected by a common access way and courtyard and the third is access directly from Brakey Road. Uh, the project meets all of the standards of this building type. For the selected frontage type, the um, project proposes a combination of a stoop and dooryard. The stoop is along Poli Street with a staircase that leads up to units one and two, and the dooryard is used um, in conjunction with the stoop. Through the combination of these two, the, the guidelines have been met for this frontage type. The DTSP has an overlay that applies to the hillside lots different than that of the municipal code. The DTSP hillside height overlay provides standards depending on the lot configuration. So for a through lot, no building or other structure on a through lot in the hillside area shall exceed 15 feet above the average elevation of the front lot line of the highest frontage and 30 feet above the average natural grade at each corner of the building line, whichever is foregoing the lowest. The dashed line and the red arrows indicate where the foregoing lowest elevations are throughout the site, maintaining below the 15 or at the 30 feet. So the proposed structures kind of move with the contours of the hillside. There are two exceptions associated with the project, one for a rear yard setback and one for the, sec the second is for um, the parking placement. Uh, 
T4.1 zone requires a minimum of a 25-foot rear yard setback. The project provides a five-foot setback from Brakey Road. The DTSP gives the director the authority to determine the front and the rear for a through lot since there are two street frontages. In this case, the director provided an interpretation that the front is poli and the rear is breaky. Um, due to the topography of the site uh, and that the rear setback is from another frontage versus abutting an, another residence as a normal rear line would be, <clears throat> A five-foot setback is appropriate to reasonably access the site with a shorter driveway. Uh, less grading would be involved, and it would allow the four parking spaces um, to be broken up within the two buildings. The second exception is for parking placement. The parking placement is located within the front 50% of the lot. Um, whereas the T4.1 zone requires it to be in the rear 50%. The um, two-car garage allows for the units that are using that two-car garage to be closer um, and easier to access the residences, which improves the functionality and design of the structures while meeting the parking requirement. Both exceptions would limit the impact to the hillside and the surrounding neighborhood while meeting the other development standards of the DTSP. <coughs> the proposed landscaping is appropriate and complements the architecture of the building style. Um, it's sufficiently located throughout the site and meets the design guidelines. There will be some plants that are subject to change though, since after the DRC reviewed the project, they added a condition to meet the defensible landscape, landscaping requirement. So the planning division and the fire department will be reviewing those plant palette changes um, during the plan check. Overall, the proposed project on the vacant hillside lot meets the DTSP or at least the intent of the DTSP. The design is simple and not to detract from the historic resources in the area and remains sensitive to the views in the surrounding area. The recommendation tonight is for the project to be approved um, as conditioned. This concludes staff's presentation. Thank you very much. Commissioners, do we have questions for staff? Commissioner Abbey. Let's see, Jamie, um, let's see, I just, uh, on the DRC uh, recommendation that there be fire compliant uh, plants, was that met? Not yet. The, the landscaping plans will be updated at a later time, um, most likely during the plan check phase. Okay, and you said the, that will be in the permitting process, or is plan check before permitting? It, same thing, permitting process, yeah. Okay, so Commissioner, staff, uh, pardon me for just a second. Could you speak into the microphone so that people watching in can hear you? Thank <clears> you. Okay. Um, what was your last response? Sorry. Yes, the permitting process is, is essentially the plan check process. Okay. And you mentioned earlier the HRC, the Historic Preservation Committee, uh, need confirmation of new development setback of the neighboring historic resource, and you're saying that has actually occurred? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, it has. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Other questions? All right. I have two. Uh, uh, please, uh, Vice Chair. 
How long has the, the lot been vacant? The applicant could probably speak to that. Um, the, is the deck overhanging in the front setback? It's, and, is, and does that matter? Uh, there are projections allowed within the front yard setback. And then there was a, um, in the staff report, under the Urban General T41 development standards, or sorry, let's see. No, it was the section before. It said that the uh, DRC and HPC staff reports would oh. be attached. Error. Um, I think that is all my questions. Yes, thank you. I'm good. All right, I have a couple questions. Um, is there a visual uh, showing the planting around the buildings uh, up on the screen? Uh, but uh, from the front side, there were illustrations of the building itself, which looked very stark. I'm just wondering how this landscaping softens it. Obviously, this tells a bit of the story, but do we know if there's a rendering front side projection? I do not have a rendering with the landscaping included. Okay. All right. And uh, my second question is, the purpose of the 25-foot setback in the rear, which obviously this doesn't come close at five, five feet, um, can someone report out what the purpose of such a, 25 feet is pretty severe. Yeah. Um, why is that? Sure. Uh, 25 feet is pretty standard within your R1 zones, your single family, and most um, lots that are traditionally abutting a re another rear yard setback to create kind of a yard space between the, the unit and the, the rear property. So that is just the standard step back, setback that you'd see to create more of an open space for right. the unit. But if there were an alley or something, would there be a purpose to this other than provide um, unsheltered parking? Right, not necessarily because alley access to a garage is preferred. So most of the time, if you had alley access within the rear yard, you would have a garage. Right, okay. Any other questions for staff? All right, I'm going to open the public meeting. Um, do we have speakers on this issue? Chair Condon. Oh, the applicant, uh, I'm sorry. Let's l allow the applicant to come up and speak if they wish. Here and your review of the uh, project. I will say during the design review committee, um, there was a lot of discussion uh, with one of the committee members who is a landscape architect and the conclusion was basically that I'll be providing a different landscape architect here in town to address uh, several of the concerns that you raised as to the um, uh, fire resistance, the native plants and the things that will be more appropriate uh, for this uh, community than the community where that landscape architect that the designist resides in Colorado. So I think um, as I go through the building plan and on the uh, resolution, the draft resolution, there's actually more than one condition regarding uh, basically redoing the, uh, the landscape plan to address the very concerns that you raised here. Mm -hmm. um, it was a, uh, took quite a long time to get a director's interpretation, which uh, I started in 2018 and which was finally given in 2020 concerning the uh, build to line in the rear of the lot. Because of the configuration of the lot, um, 
and the, the way that brakey road is, it would uh, require that the build to line be with a five foot setback. And um, in the director's interpretation, it does say the director has the authority to determine any street setback for both street frontages, regardless of front or rear setback requirements of the zone. So it was a very extensive process, and that the result of that is that he, the director, determined a five-foot build-to line on Breaky Road is acceptable. And based on that, that's you know we developed these plans uh, with the understanding that the director's interpretation would define what that um, rear build-to line was. So that is one of the exceptions. The other. And the reason I think the main reason we're here is the parking exception that I'm asking to allow the parking um, for two of the cars on Poli. Um, virtually on Poli, on all these uphill lots, the parking is off Poli. Um, some of the houses down, you know, two or three street houses down have as many as four garages uh, facing Poli. Um, one thing that we did is to um, consolidate the access for the driveway so that both units use a common, uh, both parking spots down below use a common driveway so that instead of having two curb cuts and two different uh, locations, there's one location there. And in that process of obtaining uh, the director's interpretation, uh, the planning staff asked me to research, research other form-based codes to see how other jurisdictions dealt with um, sloping lots. And after several months of research and then a redo, um, basically every, many jurisdictions had nothing about parking on hillside lots, which I found surprising, much like we don't here in our downtown specific plan. Uh, but the jurisdictions that I did find, the parking for units that would be placed upslope, if you would, the parking was on the upslope uh, front and for parking that was on a, a downslope of the lot, the parking was on the downslope. And it makes a, a lot of logistical sense mm -hmm. because the people carrying their groceries, uh, if somebody's handicapped, it makes a lot more sense to have the parking adjacent to the unit that they're going to be um, residing in or, or moving into. Um, so uh, that is an issue here for the Planning Commission. This is a culmination of uh, years of work. Um, in terms of the exterior design, which seems to be the, you know, both the Design Review Committee and Historic Preservation Committee were very happy with the massing of this project. We've separated the two downslope buildings and given them a common courtyard so that you don't, we don't have one big massive frontage. Um, and I, originally we were going to design the driveway apron and stairways to, to match the breaky house because we, we like that feature of the breaky house. Unfortunately, uh, in answer to your question, I don't believe this lot has ever been built on. It's been vacant since the city was first uh, mapped out. Um, but being that it's never been built on, it turns out that a lot of the uh, common features for the neighborhood are in front of the lot. The storm drain is there. The, um, the electrical power box for the, the lot, it's underground electrical in the area. Um, the fire hydrant, so all these things ended up in front of it and it just um, meant that the, you know, consolidating the driveway also made sense to avoid those um, features that are already in place on the property. Could I just ask that we put the, uh, the visual of the front of the 
building on here? Thank you. So, unfortunately, first, we had a uh, color board that chose the colors a lot better. These colors just didn't come across the way they were. Um, but the idea is we have a beige colored um, a stucco finish, uh, and then we have um, horizontal lap siding with cement board siding. The colors on the cement boards are actually uh, on the, they come that way from Hardy. The Hardy board uh, planks come that way. And they're basically blues and greens. Uh, the house next door is a pink house. The historic house is a, a pretty uh, noticeable blue house. A kitty corner from here are the canary yellow, uh, the condo complex. So it's a very colorful neighborhood in the sense of colors. Um, so the detailing of the lap siding just isn't really showing very well in those uh, particular um, elevations. But it's gonna, it would be a combination of um, broken up of uh, base um, stucco siding along with the lapped uh, siding. That look very, it's going to be the wood design and it'll look like wood. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and uh, I saw in the prior illustration there were two larger median trees uh, adjacent to the street. And the only trees that will be here, I think, as a result of the very severe higher fire area are going to be two street trees that the city um, is asking us to plant. Um, and, you know, I did read in one of the, there were two, two letters, like one was anonymous, so I, I don't know, don't know how, who that's from, but one of them was talking about, um, you know, this is out of town developers. This is where my wife and I want to reside. We've been working on this for five years. Um, you know, we've been residents here in town. Our two boys went from kindergarten. Our oldest graduated from Ventura College and our 18-year-old is in Ventura College now. So uh, I work in the community. We've lived in the community. Um, you know, unfortunately here in Ventura, a lot of the housing stock is very old. And, um, you know, this has been our dream to have, you know, a house here and, and build our house in town. So that's kind of the backstory behind how this project got here. All right. Any questions for the applicant, Commissioner Abbey? Yeah, a question for the applicant. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's actually, in the Gaelic language, there is no Y, so it's actually pronounced Mickey. Okay. Mr. Mickey. It's a Scottish name. Very good. Um, so I saw those two letters, and you're right, one of them was anonymous that came in today after 4 o'clock. Um, so this has been in the works for, was it, did you say since about 2020 or 2018? Uh, our first meeting with um, Don Nelson and Scott um, Colwitz was in March of 2018. Okay. And um, they liked the idea. Uh, originally, we were just going to build the house. That's kind of what we wanted to do. Um, and then we were told, well, we'd like to see a little more density in the downtown core, you know. And at first I was kind of, I've, you know, didn't, didn't really want to do that, but now I've kind of accepted it and thought, you know, it would be nice if we traveled to have someone else on the property. Okay. I wanted to, um, did you, at, at what point in the project did you reach out to your neighbors? And have you, besides these two letters that came today, did you have any other response from your neighbors? 
Uh, in the design review committee, about five people came and talked. Um, also, um, some of the neighbors submitted letters in favor of the project. Um, I know Donovan um, submitted one. Um, I, you know, I, I had thought about having them re, you know, have those letters resubmitted, but I didn't. So those aren't in the file, I think. But but there were letters in favor of the project also. Um, you know, being a uh, attorney and having clients that have disputes with others over contracts or easements or whatever their issue is, uh, part of my job is to represent my client. Sometimes the other party doesn't uh, doesn't see it as as a job and takes it a little more personally. I don't know why someone made a personal attack on me anonymously. I was surprised that anonymous letter can be put in the package, but there it is. Okay, but um, my question was, you did reach out to your neighbors? I've talked to my neighbors, yes. Um, Dave um, Rusian is in the pink house. I've also, I have talked to uh, Lynette, who is in the, um, the historic house, the breaky house. I've talked to the neighbor above me. Um, he liked the idea. We talked about underlying, undergrounding the electrical line that runs along breaky road. So I have talked to him. Okay, very good, thank you. And of course, just to confirm, this is proper, properly noticed as uh, indicated in the staff report. All right, any further questions for the applicant? Okay, Vice Chair. Uh, could you just explain really quick how the garage is accessed by unit two? Do they, is it like just a single double garage that they share, their cars will be parked side by side? Yeah, so it would be a shared, um, you, you can see it does have a garage door on there, and one of the things we did think about was putting two garage doors on there so that they each had a single car garage. Um, but they would be sharing it, it's a common feature of the two units, so um, they'll each have remote garage openers and hopefully they'll live together without a lot of conflict. But. I mean, it wouldn't be much different than in a lot of um, uh, apartment buildings where they share open parking or share garages. But it just didn't make sense with uh, all the street mm, utility features that are in front of the lot to, to do separate garages. And actually, the more I think about it, it makes sense to have just the one curb cut for the driveway apron for both of them. All right, thank you very much. All right, let's open up the public hearing. Madam Clerk, do we have speakers? Chair, we have no speakers. No speakers on this matter, okay. I will close the public hearing. And now, comments, commissioners. Commissioner Busa? Yes, thank you. Um, this site has sat empty for decades as long as I have lived here in, in my four decades in Ventura. Um, and as noted in the resolution from the 1989 Comprehensive Plan, which encourages orderly growth and development, particularly through the development of vacant and unproductive properties in areas that are already developed, um, the, the, the project requires two exceptions as it relates to the rear setback and the parking configurations, both which are reasonable to address the site access needed as well as the general conformance to the DTSP. Um, so with that, I would be prepared to make a motion in support to um, approve the design review findings, coastal development findings, and exception for setback of the project. Thank you. 
Uh, do we have a second? I would second that motion. Okay, very good. Further discussion? Commissioner Abbey? I think the project makes a good use of the land. Um, I'm not big on exceptions, but I think these exceptions in this case are reasonable. Uh, it's, it's common that we uh, give an exception to parking placement uh, for parking that's within 50% of the front of the uh, of the project of the land, um, and in this case, it it is warranted. So I think that's good, and um, because of the director's letter and interpretation, uh, it's reasonable that the rear setback uh, be reduced from 25 to five. So I'm in support of this project. Very good. Vice Chair, any comments? Okay. Um, I do wish that the rendition had the colors a little better represented because it looks like a white elephant right now. Uh, but uh, I'm sure the colors are more enhanced than shown and with the landscaping, um, the drought tolerant landscaping, uh, it will be softened. And I concur with what was said before. Um, I'm not a fan of exceptions, but uh, these seem reasonable to me and a good use of the space so that we can get uh, some people living in, in a heretofore unused area. So we have, uh, we have a motion and a second. Let's take a vote, Madam Clerk. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Busa? Yes. Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty and Zucker are absent. Vice Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Chair Comden? Yes. That motion carries. Thank you. Let's move on to item two, project 220092. All right. Staff, are we ready to present? Yes. Thank you, Chair. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Gene Burse. I'm a senior planner in the Community Development Department. And tonight, I will be presenting on agenda item number two, which is a request for major design review, coastal development permit, and lot line adjustments for a mixed-use building. Highlighted in yellow on the screen is the project site. It consists currently of three parcels located at the northeast corner of the Thompson Boulevard and Figueroa Street intersection. Surrounding land uses include the California Court of Appeal building to the north, restaurants to the south, an office building across the street to the west, and a surface parking lot immediately to the east. The immediate area is well connected with an existing sidewalk network. Also, nearby projects as shown on the screen include Ventura Downtown Housing, the Mari Cell Core Apartments Project, both of which are located west of the site along Thompson Boulevard. Maricel Cora is a five-story mixed-use development on a two-acre site. It consists of 140 multifamily residential units, over 6,000 square feet of commercial space, and a parking garage, all of which was completed last year. The Ventura Downtown Housing Project is a five-story development with 255 multifamily residential units on a three-acre site, and that project was entitled in 2015 but has yet to be built.
Back in September of last year, the Design Review Committee reviewed the 211 project for the first time and provided feedback that pertained to height, mass, and open space. The DRC reviewed this project again back in December of last year and voted to forward this project to the Planning Commission with recommendations on design and landscaping. Since that December meeting of last year, the applicant team has made modifications to address DRC's comments, which are currently reflected in the project plans. The 211 project consists of a building that's over 27,000 square feet, uh, six feet and uh, six stories in height. This building will appear as five stories from the street on both Thompson and Figueroa, with one level of commercial at the base and four levels of housing above. You may wonder, isn't this building six stories? It is six stories, but it may look like five stories from the street. Why is that? That's because the structure parking that's part of this project, there are two levels of structure parking that start at the ground and allow the ground floor to be higher than what it normally would appear. So that ground floor has a really high height. However, it technically is considered two stories because of that podium parking. The parking that this project provides far exceeds the minimum required amount of parking for the DTSP. This project also proposes to consolidate three lots into one lot because technically three parcels exist. The ground floor contains seven live work units, 3,000 square feet of ground floor commercial space located near the corner, leasing and lobby space for, res for the residential aspect as well as the parking structure in the back. Ground floor spaces along both Thompson and Figueroa will have direct pedestrian access from both of those streets. Vehicular access will come in the form of a private drive off of Figueroa located on the northern portion of the site to the top of the graphic. That private drive will lead to the parking structure. The stacked dwelling is the proposed unit type for the 211 project. Units will be located on upper, upper floors of the building. The unit mix will consist of studio apartments, one bedroom apartments, as well as two bedroom apartments for a total of 94 residential units, including the, the seven live-work units on the ground floor along both Thompson and Figueroa. Most of the units on the upper floors will have access from double-loaded corridors on the podium structure. And the primary open space for this particular project is a centralized courtyard, which is approximately 43 feet by 80 feet in width. The 211 project is in a portion of downtown that's changing and has evolved in character due to a variety of nearby projects, as mentioned a few moments ago. The proposed design responds to this evolving character through massing, form, function, and building materials. This project incorporates elements in a similar color palette of downtown buildings, such as the Ventura Inn, and responds to other existing buildings in the surrounding area through mass void relationships, warm colors, the use of stucco, and masonry products. The 211 project will appear as two separate buildings along both Thompson Boulevard and Figueroa Street. This will be accomplished through the differences in exterior building materials and placement of circulation features that provide separation between the ground floor commercial space and residential lobby along Thompson Boulevard. The Thompson Boulevard elevation, as depicted in the graphics on the top half of the screen, 
is broken up vertically using recesses. This provides an accentuation of massing and voids to the facade and provides a visual breaks. The vertical recesses also serve as a common design element along Thompson Boulevard. And as you can see in the top graphic, you can see the beige, beige uh, masonry products compared to the white stucco on the right side of the graphic. Exterior building materials are high quality and incorporate more than the minimum two materials, including horizontal composite siding, stucco, brick veneer, and metal trim. A clear base in the middle of the building is defined on the street facade, street facing facades, and the building is also broken up horizontally using different materials at each level. The ground floor is clad with thin brick veneer, concrete, and aluminum storefront along both Thompson Boulevard and Figueroa Street. The middle is clad primarily with stucco and composite horizontal siding. And as you can see, the Thompson elevation and its corresponding rendering to show what the live work units along Thompson Boulevard look like, and then Figueroa Street elevation with this corresponding rendering showing uh, a scenic view and uh, showing that Figueroa Street frontage uh, paying homage uh, to the coastal, uh, to the beach. The 211 project proposes street, trees, and landscaping along the site perimeter. In the podium courtyard area and on rooftop terraces, totaling nearly 12,000 square feet. This accounts for approximately 30% of the overall lot area. This percentage represents more than the 20% required by the DTSP. Amenities in these spaces include a small pool, fitness areas, lounge areas, and seating areas. The DTSP encourages the use of drought-tolerant deciduous trees as the predominant large plant material. Landscaping in the podium courtyard includes trees and shrubs. And as you can see, along Thompson Boulevard for the landscape plan, there are large canopy trees that are proposed, consistent with what the DTSP requires. And along the Figueroa Street frontage, the current improvements will remain. The project proposes to install tree, street trees with large canopies along Thompson Boulevard, as mentioned before. These trees will be consistent with the street trees as described in the DTSP. This will contribute to a uniform streetscape pattern along Thompson Boulevard. Palms on Figueroa Street will remain as they are specifically called for in the DTSP to establish a symbolic connection to the oceanfront. This proposal includes a curb extension at the corner consistent with the DTSP, which will enhance the design of Thompson Boulevard and Figueroa Street in this area. Such an enhancement will include bulb outs, which will shorten the distance that pedestrians will have to travel to cross the street and also slow traffic down, therefore making the pedestrian realm much more safer. Other enhancements include offering different paving materials uh, as a design element for the crosswalks. Open space areas be in the form primarily of the centralized courtyard on the podium structure. However, there will also be outdoor terraces on the upper levels located near the corner of the building as seen in the top two graphics on the screen, as well as a large rooftop terrace. Each area is appropriately landscaped and will provide amenities such as outdoor seating, serving areas, workout spaces. These areas will provide adequate usable open space for both residents and visitors throughout the site. As a refresher for the Planning Commission, this project is located within the downtown specific plan area, also known as the DTSP. The DTSP is intended to be a guide for development in downtown through implementation of a form-based code. The form-based code requires new projects to meet 
a variety of development standards that are required and or recommended. The 211 project was evaluated using four different sets of development standards of the DTSP. These standards include the urban standards, building types, mixed type development standards, and frontage types. I'm gonna give a brief overview of what each set of development standards entails. Urban standards. Urban standards, basically like your a traditional zoning requirements, deals with setbacks, building height, parking. Building types. Building types deal with the, how a building is accessed as well as the distribution of its massing. So think of how the roof line will differentiate. Mixed type development standards deal with mass and articulation of projects on large sites. Projects must have, a project site must have a minimum of 30,000 square feet in order to fall under this category and be re regulated by these particular set of standards. And lastly, frontage types deals with the configuration of building facades. Think how the entrance to a building looks, how the entrance to a unit looks. These four sets of standards are provided in layers and thus results in a final project design. The applicant in this case has requested the use, uh, as it pertains to compliance and DTSP compliance, the applicant has requested the use of concessions consistent with the state density bonus law as a way to address DTSP standards as shown on the screen. These standards deal with maximum building height, the appearance of having multiple independent buildings, and ground floor height for the shop front frontage type. Additional information is in the staff report and staff is willing to accept questions regarding this. In addition to the requested concessions, the applicant has requested the use of waivers consistent with the state density bonus law to address DTSP standards as shown on the screen. These standards deal with the location of open space, parking placement, mass of the building, and configuration of shop front openings. The 211 project in general complies with 56 out of 63 or approximately 89% of required and recommended DTSP standards. The 211 project proposes to develop consistent with the state density bonus law and request concessions and waivers to be applied as mentioned a few moments ago. Additional information about this is in the staff report and also a representative with the city attorney's office is on hand should the planning commission have additional questions regarding this particular state law. In summary, the project is consistent with the DTSP and was supported by the DRC. This project will provide affordable units, activate, will, will provide active street frontages, exceeds the parking requirement of the DTSP, and exceeds the requirement for, open, for usable open space. Overall, it is staff's opinion that this project is fully compliant with the DTSP as submitted based on consistency with the state density bonus law. Given the aforementioned, staff recommends the Planning Commission do three things. One, approve the major design review, coastal development permit, and lot line adjustments as conditioned. Two, determine the project is categorically exempt from the California Environmental Quality Act pursuant to section 15332 for infill development. And thirdly, direct staff to address some topographical errors that have come to light as well as some redundancies in the draft resolution. And this concludes staff's presentation. Thank you very much.
Uh, Chair Compton, if I could jump in at this moment too. Uh, the Planning Commission did receive uh, many public comments related to this. There were several supplemental packets that were sent to the Planning Commission over the uh, past few days. Uh, the last supplemental packet that was uh, compiled up until 4 p.m. today, posted and provided to the Planning Commission, did include a letter from the Coastal Commission that we uh, received two hours before this meeting. Um, that letter does outline some uh, questions or additional information the Coastal Commission was referencing or requesting um, and indicated a previous letter that they had provided when this project went to design review committee um, in its last iteration. Uh, between that design review committee meeting and this meeting, I met with Coastal Commission staff to discuss their comments and concerns and discussed what additional information they would like included in the findings and packet material that would be included for the Planning Commission. Uh, we agreed to uh, information to be provided, which the applicant did and was included in your packet. The letter we received two hours before the meeting indicated that was not sufficient information or they wanted additional information beyond that. Uh, given the closeness to the meeting and that there has been a lot of public interest, we felt it important to still have the meeting and allow the Planning Commission and the applicant who have prepared for this meeting, as well as the public who has come out to speak on the item, to have the opportunity to discuss this item tonight. Uh, the applicant is prepared in their uh, comments and presentation to address some of the comments that uh, were raised by the Planning Commission, or I apologize, not the Planning Commission, but the Coastal Commission in regards to their uh, letter uh, for the Planning Commission's information. Uh, myself and the City Attorney are here and available to answer any subsequent questions you may have about their letter during your deliberation. So first, uh, anyone have any ex parte communication to report? Okay, very good. Do we have questions for staff at this time? Okay, Commissioner Buza. Um, uh, first question uh, for Netter, for Jean and staff. Could you give a brief, um, just real short arena recap why it's important? Um, what are our numbers and by when? There's reference to hitting arena numbers within the staff report. Uh, Commissioner Busa, happy to provide some more information around. Um, uh, I believe the request is about RENA and our RENA numbers. So RENA is our regional housing um, allocation numbers that we are provided by the state of California. So every region in the state of California, uh, the city of Ventura is part of the SCAG region, which is the S Southern California region, is allocated a certain amount of housing units that it has to plan for in an eight-year period um, that the city prepares through its housing element um, document that is part of the general plan. The current housing element or cycle that uh, we are in the eight-year period is the 2021 to 2029 cycle. Uh, the city of Ventura was allocated 5,312 housing units to plan for during this cycle. Um, those housing units are further broken down by the state in terms of their affordability components. So not only do we have to plan for housing units, we have to plan for certain affordability levels, um, which include above moderate, moderate, low, and very low. Um, to just briefly touch on the, the amount of the different categories, uh, 
about 2,300 above moderate units are uh, intended to be planned for, 950 moderate units, 865 low units, and 1,187 very low units are required to be planned for in the city during this period. Thank you for that clarification. Um, Can I just uh, ask a follow-up on that? It, it doesn't uh, give specifications whether those are for rent or for homeownership purposes, reading the numbers? Um, they, it does go into further detail about rental and housing and trends and things like of, of that nature. So it does, the housing element does go specifically more into detail um, about that in, in different ways. Uh, Commissioner Abbey. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you finished, uh, Commissioner Busa? I have a few more questions. Okay, let's carry on with you. Thank you. Um, the staff report, and, and thank you, staff, for putting together such a detailed and thorough report on this project. Um, references the state density bonus, as, as your uh, presentation did as well. I, my question is directed to the city attorney. What is the result of not allowing the concessions or waivers by the applicant per the state density bonus law? Thank you for that question. Uh, Put simply, the uh, applicant would have the ability to file a lawsuit contesting that decision. It would be the burden of the city to establish that uh, denial of the project was based on an identifiable and actual cost reduction or a failure of the applicant to demonstrate that the concession or incentive requested uh, does not make for uh, an identifiable and actual cost reduction or that it would have a specific adverse impact upon the health and safety of the physical environment of any real property listed with the California Registry of Historical Resources, or that the concession or incentive would be contrary to state or federal law. Uh, similarly, with waivers or reductions, it would be the burden of the city to demonstrate that that waiver or reduction is not necessary to physically build the structure. Thank you. And um, another question, perhaps, for the, for the applicant um, or staff, the mention of the base density of 82 units per acre, uh, I was curious as to the math behind that in understanding that. I, I, I understood from the, um, the application in um, page 0.02a uh, containing the chart identifying the state density bonus um, base, and I was having a hard time backing into the math myself, um, and so I was just curious if there could be a little bit more clarity on how that number is. Sure. We, uh, that question would be more appropriate for the applicant to uh, speak on. Thank you. Those are my questions at this time. Very good. Commissioner Abbey. Gene, um, could you please um, turn to slide number 28? Uh, let's see, was it 28? Um, okay, that's not the slide I was looking. Oh, yes, it is. Number one, concession one. So the DTSB says it should be three stories for primary building, 24% of building footprint, maybe four story. Correct. Okay. And the applicant is requesting 100% fifth floor, up to fifth floor, and 31% sixth floor. There is a typo. The applicant is requesting for the fifth floor to be 72%, not 100%, but the uh, sixth floor is at 31%. Okay, and then I would imagine fourth, the first four floors are 100%? Correct. Correct. Okay. 
Um, I wanted to ask you some questions about the comparison projects that you mentioned. I was on the Planning Commission the first time when Maricel came up and then the Ashkar, I guess they're now calling it the Ventura Downtown Housing Five-Story Project. Uh, if, it's, if I recall correctly, Maricel, and it, it appears as you drive by it, it appears to be four-story and there might be a touch of five-story. What percentage is five-story at the Maricel project? I do not have the information on hand, Commissioner. Okay, so is it fair to characterize it as a five-story um, project if it only a small percentage is five-story? Even though a small percentage may be five stories, from a technical standpoint, we still have to count it as a story. So, for example, with the 211 project, uh, they're proposing 31% of the building footprint as a six-story. Uh, it may be misleading to uh, characterize it as really a five-story building when technically it's a six-story building that's being proposed. Okay, all right. Uh, secondly, uh, the Ventura Downtown Housing five-story project, similar situation. I believe, in fact, there was some three-story, uh, mostly four-story, and a touch of five-story. Is that a fair characterization? That is correct. Okay, so we're talking, in my mind, four-story buildings with some additional uh, fifth story and yeah, so whether that's 4.25 or 4.5 or 4.75 they're they're not fully five-story buildings correct okay and then another thing that's hard to do and sometimes in the staff report that it seems to be missing um, now in for this project it's showing it as a 69 foot project to the top of parapet that is correct okay um, would, would you be able, for comparison's sake, to say what the height of the Maricel project is? We can get that information for you. I do ha not have it on hand for the overall. You're asking for the height in terms of feet, correct? Yes. I do not have that information on hand, but we can't get that information. Okay, and that would, I would have the same question for the Ventura Downtown Housing Project. We can get that as well. And we can try to pull that up. Uh, in the future, it would be helpful for staff if we're looking for specific information of that nature to, to let us know in advance of the meeting so we can make sure to have that on, on hand for okay. you. I wish I had to ask that sooner of staff. To... Just so we can make sure we have that for you. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, those are my questions for now. Thank you. Commissioner Farley. Um, this is a question for staff, but maybe the city attorney. Um, the applicant is proposing to construct 96 parking spaces, which will primarily serve the residences. Um, but per state law, would they need to park this property if they um, chose not to? So I can restate that. Would this project be required to provide parking because of its proximity to local transit based on state law? Uh, no, it would not. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I have um, a follow-up oh, follow question uh, to Commissioner Abbey's questions. If we're looking at heights of the various buildings, if we could ask staff to, with on the same city block, the Palm Senior Living, um, I'd be curious to know the height of that as well. Thank you. The height of the Palm Senior Living uh, building is uh, seven stories and with the height of uh, 75 feet. Thank you. Hmm. Okay. Further questions? Um, Jean, what is the setback on Figueroa of this uh, proposed building? 
The setback on figure rolls consists with the D consistent with the DTSP. Give me just one second. Apologies for the delay, scrolling through a lot of PDFs right now. The setback on fig along Figueroa is 10 feet. 10 feet, okay. Um, during the course of the submission of this, um, were there any discussions about parking being less than street level, below street level? To my, now, to my understanding, there has not been discussions of uh, subterranean parking. I, I am aware that that is uh, a topic for discussion, uh, a hot topic uh, when dealing with downtown projects. But to my understanding and my knowledge, I'm not aware of discussions regarding uh, providing subterranean parking in this instance. Okay. Are you aware of any other structures um, in this illustration that have parking that is below? Street level. At this time, I am not aware. All right. And I'll leave the applicant to answer further, uh, uh, to elaborate further about the possibility of Fair subterranean right. parking. Yeah, very good. Um, Ned, I'd like to ask you, are you aware of any that, um, I know the word subterranean has very specific meaning, so I'm going to say below street level, whether it be five feet or whatever it might be, are any of these projects currently situated in such a manner? Um, so, thank you, Chair Comden. So the downtown area does have high water tables, um, and there are specific definitions in our municipal code, and the DTSP is what subterranean or submerged parking, um, whatever you would like to call it. Um, of, of it being fully underground. There are uh, many pro projects that do have um, portions of their parking or their podium structure that do go below grade, but I believe the water table hits around 10 feet, and so though they do uh, reduce elevations of their parking to, to get you know, close enough to um, the water table as possible, um, there are uh, I'm not aware of any of them that are fully submerged or fully below grade, given that. So if a project has one or two levels of uh, podium parking or structured parking, uh, it's common that one of them is uh, a portion underground and a portion above ground, and then um, subsequent floors are above ground, given the water table heights. For, for this particular project of whether the applicant um, investigated or looked into subterranean parking, we defer to the applicant to talk more about that. Very good. Further questions? Yes, Commissioner Abbey. Um, while we're looking at buildings, um, the uh, building at the, the houses uh, Finney's restaurant at the southwest corner of Maine and California, I'd be interested in knowing how tall that particular building is. 
that's going to be more challenging to find um, as it is a historic building. Um, the entitled projects are a little easier to find in our records as they went through application process. That would really look, need to, us to dig through historic records to find actual heights of that. How about the building that houses Lure on California Street? We, we, can, we can try um, to do that as well. Um, would be happy to provide this information in, in the future. If, if you give us advance notice, we can make sure we have this, but we'll do the best we can to pull it up right now. And while you're at it, why not the Ventura Hotel across the street from the Earl Stanley Garner building? Okay. On Main Street, just to round out the, the tall buildings in downtown. All right. So Gina questions? and I will continue to try to answer questions and see if Jamie can pull up all of the projects as we discuss. Okay. Start the clock. All right, Vice Chair. Yes, thank you. Um, I had some questions regarding the concessions and waivers. I was a little confused as I was trying to work through them. Um, could you just walk quickly, somewhat quickly through them? I mean, it seemed like some of them, the code requires a waiver, but they're asking for a concession, and sometimes a, a, an exception is required, and then we're, you know, and I, I, if you could just walk through that, that would be super helpful. Sure, I'd be more than happy to, no problem. So as the Planning Commission is aware, uh, the DTSP does allow for uh, flexibility in the form of warrants and exceptions uh, when a project uh, may have issues meeting uh, certain performance standards, development standards that are required. So I have a few slides that talks about them. So um, for this particular project, there were seven uh, development standards that were identified that the project did not that would that the project would not meet absent uh, requesting concessions and waiver concessions and waivers under density bonus law um, so those warrants and exceptions uh, for example one development standard is for the base uh, zone uh, which would be for the height and the table that I have for these concessions on the summary slide so for example for a uh, height three stories with 25 percent of the fourth story uh, typically, if the uh, applicant were uh, proposing to not develop under state density bonus law and were not requesting a concession, uh, it would require application of a warrant or a request of a warrant to not uh, comply with that particular uh, development standard. Uh, concession number two, two buildings, this deals with uh, the mixed type development standards for basically for large project sites. Uh, normally, if uh, a project, if this project were not proposing to develop under state density bonus law, they would need to apply for an exception, and so on and so forth. So when you see the W and the E, stands for warrants and exceptions, um, and then the waivers, uh, same thing. So typically speaking, if absent state density bonus law, uh, these are development standards here in the center that the applicant could request a warrant or exception to. Did that answer your question? Further questions? Could you roll back a couple slides ago? You showed a uh, view from up on the hill of the view out to the ocean. Right. So we're going to let the applicant talk more about this. We have these up for them as they talk through it. Very good. Okay. So no further questions of staff. I had a question about Yes, please, Commissioner Abbey. Yeah, on uh, slide 28, I just... Touching on it, you had mentioned earlier that the fifth floor of this proposed building is 
fifth floor and 31% sixth floor. And I'm looking at this waiver number three. Yes, so uh, that is a typo. So the fifth floor uh, for concession number one, as well as waiver number three, the fifth floor, should reflect 72%, not 100%. And that's one of the, the topographical errors that uh, staff is asking the Planning Commission to correct in the draft resolution. Okay, thank you. Very good. No further questions? Okay. Yeah, one last one, Commissioner Abbey. I wanted to ask staff, and, and I, I may end up asking the applicant as well, but uh, the downtown specific plan, um, uh, Chair, I have a very short item I wanted to read. Can I read the three or four sentences? From the DTSP? Yes. All right. Please do. Uh, the downtown specific plan, section 5.10.020A, states that proposed buildings should relate to the characteristic of surrounding buildings, especially historic buildings. Views of the mission looking from both Main Street and the ocean must be respected and should not take away from its historic and architectural impact. Another section, of, uh, part of quote from that is, proposed building design should be based on and reflect thorough analysis of their surrounding patterns with regard to the following and amongst the that includes architectural style. Um, so that's the quote I wanted to make. I just wanted to point out that on Figaro Street, there are several uh, historic homes facing the proposed project that lead to Mission Plaza and the mission itself. Um, how does this project, especially when it deals with scale and height, how did the staff analyze that to see if the um, requirement of the downtown specific plan. Uh, oh, I did want to mention, I'll, I'll, I'll finish asking that question in a minute. Uh, the downtown specific plan specifically mentions Figueroa and the mission. Um, orient public improvements and private development along Figueroa Street to accentuate the presence of San Buenaventura mission and reinforce the connection between the mission and the ocean front. Um, how does this project as currently uh, proposed meet those two requirements? Uh, Commissioner Abby, and I, I apologize, I'm trying to remember all of that, so I may ask for a repeat. Um, so I think one of the questions was how does the project connect uh, Figueroa Plaza and the mission visually connect that area with the rest of Figueroa? or activate or provide a connection? Am I well, let me, remembering let me that correctly? Let me break that down into parts. I'll try to help you. Um, Thank you, I appreciate that. should relate to the characteristics of surrounding buildings, especially historic buildings. So why don't we take that little segment of the statement for now. How does sure. this do that? Sure, and um, I think the applicant can talk a little bit more about their design process as they studied the um, surrounding buildings and pulled materials, patterns, and styles into it um, to respect the context of the surrounding area. As it relates to historic buildings, it's important to remember when a historic landmark is identified. Um, the state of interior design standards, when it looks at a project adjacent to it, 
uh, historic building, uh, one of the standards and the ways that design is reviewed is it actually does not want the design of the historic building mimicked. They want a distinction and differentiation of what is old and new, what uh, the State of Interior Standards does talk a lot about, and in historic preservation there is a lot of discussion about, is not trying to replicate or duplicate the design of a historic building, but to res respect it. Um, the profession preference in practice is actually to make the building look different than it so the historic landmarks are clearly identified and respect the character and integrity of how they're designed in differentiation to new buildings. Uh, instead, what it does want to do is pull materials, patterns, or um, context as it relates to that. So uh, for the fact that this doesn't look like the mission or some of the Victorian buildings that surround it in a historic preservation context would be the appropriate way to address surrounding buildings when they are adjacent to landmarks. Okay, um, let me parse this out. So how does the scale or the height of the building relate? How is it congruent with the Figueroa Corridor? So, um, and, and I think if you... Do you mind reading the verbiage or the excerpt from the DTSP? I, I have it. Uh, section 5.10.030 standard guidelines, subsection A, context and architectural character. Proposed buildings should relate to the architectural characteristics of surrounding buildings, especially historic buildings, in order to be more compa compatible with their neighbors. The intent is not necessarily to replicate or emulate historic buildings, but to allow for a range of architectural expressions that complement the existing urban fabric. Therefore, proposed building designs should be based on and reflect thorough analysis of, the, of their surrounding patterns with regard to the following. Building orientation, horizontal and vertical building articulation, architectural style, and building scale and proportion. So is it, uh, Commissioner Abbey, as, as it relates to scale and proportion? Um, that's what I'm on right now, is scale okay. and proportion. How, how does this relate, and how, is it, uh, how does it fit? How does it fit in? Uh, sure, and I, I, again, can defer to the, the architect, um, as I am not an architect, to, to talk a little bit more about that. Um, as this, the DTSP is part of the design around Figaro, and particularly as it related to the mission and uh, the terminated VISTA, as it's discussed in the DTSP, did ask for um, uh, wider setbacks on Figueroa to allow for that view corridor and uh, uh, distinction between allowing that VISTA to occur, um, as well as... Um, uh, different articulations and massing. And I think the applicant can talk to how they have massed the corner and massed Figueroa Street to um, uh, bring to fruition that characteristic. Um, also, it's important to, to note that the applicant is asking for a concession as it relates to height. Um, and they are asking per state density bonus law for the additional heights as it relates to what is allowed by state law here. So, um, and again, I'll let them speak a little bit more to that um, as I'm not an architect. Um, I should probably ask this question. Um, the downtown specific plan um, is the section 5.10020A optional? 
uh, does, does the state density bonus trump it? Does, do we totally ignore the downtown specific plan? I'm not saying this project is totally ignoring. I exaggerate, but I was just wondering how, how do we weigh those different factors? How do we balance it? And, and do we balance it or does one trump the other? Just to be very clear, uh, projects that comply with the state density bonus uh, bonus law, we what they request in terms of concessions are, are not optional. They're mandatory. Okay, but the design of the building, is that still to be, does the Planning Commission have discretion over that? So, you know, the, the intent statements of these that have led into what then the design standards and uh, which are denoted by exceptions, warrants, uh, and so forth that go into a form-based code uh, are where they try to meet that objective, right? And, uh, you know, another very important state law is that, you know, housing projects are now required to meet objective design standards. So where there is subjectivity, such as a statement that you... Uh, referenced, state law has said we are to remove subjectivity as it relates to housing projects. How the form-based code does that is then it gets very prescriptive in its um, standards, right? It goes into detail of what the articulation, what the mass, what the setbacks are, which are the uh, objective standards in which are applied to accomplish kind of that subjective theme. So yes, that's a, a general subjective theme of what the DTSP is trying to accomplish, a vision, an overarching policy kind of guidance, then the uh, objective standards try to bring to fruition that. And where exceptions, warrants, or concessions and waivers come into play are flexibility from those specific objective standards that would address that kind of overarching policy or guiding document there. I'll leave it at that, thank you. Any further questions for staff? All right, uh, time for the applicant to come up. If you would, please. Good evening, uh, Chair Comden, members of the Commission staff. My name is Vince Daly. I'm the property owner for 211 Thompson LLC. Um, we're glad to be here tonight. It's worked really hard. The design team is going to present very quickly. I promise I'm not going to be here very long, but I will, will say that we developed a property in town called Cal Tom on the corner of Calorama and Thompson, and we really were looking for an opportunity to do another project in town to really take what we've learned there about the renters of, of Ventura and the long-term renters and people that are buying houses in some a variety of ages. I, I thought they were all going to be young people. They're not. They're all different ages, all different walks. We we are design build owners, so we design our projects. Our company, I'll introduce Josh, Josh Janowitz here, our, our construction, um, our, our, our president of the company, Daily Group, is here, but we take it, we build it, and we own it. So there's a lot of heart that we have in it. So one of the things we wanted to do is an opportunity to find another property. This property became available during COVID, the day the stock market went down to like 7,000. So I had a big decision to make, but we did it, and we believed in it, and we hired a, a great team and Nick Deitch and RRM, and we really, we really want to kind of go off the, the things we've learned in our current project and what renters want here 
and the lifestyle they want. So we leaned into that. But we also looked at what the affordability component we provided, and the very low by far is what everybody needs. That's the 900 to $1,000 rent for a studio. That's the workers. Those are the people in the Coastal Commission that are servicing bars, restaurants, and everywhere in between, Patagonia. Um, so we, we wanted to lean into that. And there's a rub. You know, how do you fit that in? And so I kicked that to the design team and said, let's try to do this. But we had to use some of the things the state gives us. We're not asking for any money from state, city, any government. So we're self-subsidizing. And the way to do that is to use these different things from the state. Now, did not want to compromise on design at all. And so I th hopefully tonight you'll see that we didn't do that. We worked hard with DRC. It was important for us to get a recommendation design is important to us. We think design is value. We think people in the city of Ventura will, will pay for design. They'll pay for a good place to live. So I'm going to kick it over to Nick Deitch. We do have some answers on the subterranean, some other things. My uh, Josh Janowitz can answer that, but I'd like to get it over to Nick Deitch right now. Thank you, guys. Good evening, guys. Thank you very much for having us here and the, for the dialogue. This is this is not easy. It's not. It's complicated. It's complex. It's, uh, it, it, um, change can be frightening. Um, I think we all love this town. I'm, I'm honored to say that I'm celebrating my 40th year practicing architecture in downtown Ventura. Been in the same block. I think I'm in a rut. Um, so um, I'd like to walk through the PowerPoint and maybe I will answer some of the questions that came up and then I'm very happy to just pointedly answer any other questions that you have. Um, so, yeah, as, as uh, Vince said, you know, we've really worked hard on, on the design and if you've been involved in any of that, you know how hard it is to please um, a, a room full of people, let alone a husband and wife. Um, through the general plan, I, we look at these projects in a larger context. To me, it's not a project. It's a piece of a community. It's a piece of a neighborhood. And that's, I'm always interested in that, um, as I know you are. So, and I'm sure you're aware, the general plan uh, adopted an info-first strategy. We did this about 15 years ago. Um, and it was in concert with SOAR, but it wasn't just about SOAR. It was about how we want to develop as a community, how we want to evolve, how do we want to reduce dependency upon having to drive everywhere we go for everything we need, directing new development inward away from farmlands and hillsides, reusing developed land that is no longer serving a highest and best use. I don't know if any of you remember the Meta Motel that was on this site for many, many years. It was a little bit of a dive, but uh, it, long gone. Re um, building needed housing and services in proximity to jobs and local transit. So those are key things that we're all trying, we've all agreed we want to try to do. Um, and forgive me, I'm going to step back a little bit uh, to talk about a larger strategy. Um, the idea of this is that we're creating these denser centers throughout our community, and ideally those are happening along corridors, and they're happening in association with transit and, and bike lanes and just general walkability so that we can create a more vital, vital um, diverse way of getting around. Uh, if you could, next slide. So those centers are not about just those things. They're about being, making services available to others around them and making the things around those available to the people who move into those new centers. And the mall, for example, could be one of those, and I'm really hoping it will be, among other things. Um, walkable neighborhood centers, connected with transit, supportive services, 
housing that is less car dependent, passions of mine. The downtown specific plan describes the evolution of downtown to respect history while evolving beyond the present to create a walkable, sustainable, and vital urban context to provide housing for that diverse population in proximity to jobs, daily needs, and local transit. One of the things that I'm, I'm very excited about with this project. Next slide, please. So the downtown, we've got a plan. And I was, I was the co-chair in 1994 when we got the city to adopt their first downtown specific plan. And there was no plan prior to that. This stuff was just showing up. And it, what, nobody knew what to do. And I actually got really upset because there was a, I think it might have been a 12-story high-rise or something that was proposed in the middle of a, it just made no sense. It wasn't connected to anything. So we said, we, we need a plan. So the plan has been evolving, uh, most recently updated about 2012. Next slide, please. So this is an overlay of the regulating plan over the existing downtown. And you can see that there are, the, the darker colors are the more intense zones, and then it gets lighter and the, the less intense each neighborhood. Next slide, please. Uh, so this is the core area. Next slide. These are the two parks we have in the downtown. Uh, we've got to figure out how to get you know, more open space. Of course, we have Grant Park and we have the beach right next door. These are the three connections. We get three connections to the coast from this part of the, the downtown. And then, of course, Main Street and what's happening there. It's fascinating. I spoke to a broker this morning who is, his job is to get those shop spaces rented out. They're struggling right now. They're not thrilled with the, the situation. I personally am. I, I like it. And I know a lot of people are enjoying it. The, what's missing is a, the, the people. And if we can get more housing built downtown, that will help set that balance right. Next slide, please. So there's the project site, core area. Then we have the West Neighborhood Center and the East Neighborhood Center. And all of this stuff is supposed to fit together. Next slide, please. These are the transit lines. And that, that blue one used to run down Main Street. It doesn't run down Main Street anymore. It runs down Santa Clara. Um, the purple one is the sort of more you know, express line. And then this is the five-minute walk. Next slide, please. Next slide. And there's our project. Oop, go back. So there's our project in, in the middle of that, next to a transit uh, location. Um, and then the, five, the, the, the green circle is a five-minute radius of walk, and the outer green circle is a 10-minute radius of walking. So you can live in this location, along with many other of these locations, and be in great walking proximity to pretty much everything. Groceries, restaurants, jobs, offices, uh, government, beach, fairgrounds. It's just an amazing location. Next slide, please. Uh, Top-down view. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. There's the site, that connection to the beach, to the promenade, to the mission. The mission is, a, is the centerpiece of this area. Very important. This is not an aerial photograph. This is actually an image of a, of a digital model we've been creating on the, of the downtown over the last decade. And that, there's the project down in the lower corner. Next slide, please. There's the mission at the upper end of the arrow and Figueroa Street and the corridor. This is, this is the design that the DRC first saw. And uh, I, I'll confess I was excited about it. We're, you know, not only are we trying to create buildings that are sympathetic to the historic and you know, existing context, but we're also trying to create buildings that are highly sustainable, highly energy efficient, meeting the green building code. There's all kinds of new forces acting on this stuff that the mission didn't have to do, the Ventura Inn didn't have to respond to. We have to respond to those things, among the other social issues and needs that are acting on all of this. Next slide, please. So we revised this. This is what the, from the original proposal, this is the revision. 
a substantial modification in the design and the envelope of the building. Uh, we listen. We want to create buildings that people are excited about and that when you're done with it, it feels like it belongs there. Next slide, please. So then we broke it into increments, uh, and not just two increments, but we actually, I think, have three distinct increments, um, again, to help that scale and help it fit into the context of downtown. Density, base density, density, uh, form-based code, oy, oy, oy. Um, it's really interesting, though. When we talk about units per acre, it's the absolute wrong way to talk about housing. The, Density per acre doesn't care whether you're building studio apartments or three-bedroom apartments or anything in between. It doesn't acknowledge that. If it says 54 units an acre and you're putting in SROs, you get 54 SROs. They're about a fourth the size of a two-bedroom apartment. So right away, we're dealing with a flawed system. And frankly, it's one of the reasons why we are spread out and we are so car-dominated, because that's the system we've been using for decades. Um, and there's a, some other subtext in there. There's built-in segregation, segregation of the, the wealthy, the middle class, and the lower class. It's all built into the system. When we talk about form-based codes and density within a form-based code, what we're talking about is here's the envelope that's allowed by the code. And in this case, three stories with 0.25 fourth story. I don't know what to do with that 0.25. I don't know why it's there. The buildings we love downtown don't have 0.25 stories on the top. Venturian certainly doesn't do that. The Euro Stanley Gardner building certainly doesn't do that. I don't get it. Um, but what you do is you take that envelope, the 0.25, and you figure out of, if you're building X types of apartments, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, whatever they are, you figure out how many of those you fit within that envelope. And that becomes your base density. So in this case, our average density, our average size of the unit is about 675 square feet, so we fit that many units into that envelope, and that's our base density. So it's not really a, it's not a mathematical um, uh, formula, it's a physical formula. It's a form-based formula. And I, honestly, in the end, I think it's a much better way to go. Um, so with the density bonus then, so th and that analysis, by the way, we came up with that before the state figured out that that's what you had to do. They then ratified our approach. They said, oh, you know, this is how to do it. And I'm sure other, this was happening in other communities, same dialogue. So that was, a, that was a great relief, honestly, that, okay, we're doing this right. And the city agreed with it in their analysis as well. Um, so that brings us to a base density of uh, 82 units, not per acre, 82 units within that envelope. So it's not a per acre discussion. <clears throat> so within that envelope, 82 units, that means that at a 50% density bonus, we would be entitled to build 123 apartments, okay, dwellings. And I much prefer dwellings than units. People live in dwellings. Um, so we are proposing 94 dwellings, not 123. Um, we could go back and look at that if you think maybe we need to. Um, street level incorporates shops and live work units, and those are counted in that um, factor. And then, of course, the parking is all screened behind that. And to the issue of subterranean parking, and we'll talk about it some more, but the water table is high. And we just, we just this week got updated um, data on a site that's being measured right now where the water table was at about 9 to 12 feet, and it's now at about 4 to 7 feet because of all the rain. So it's not something that stays constant. And all that watershed is, is coming down from the hills and washing across the plain 
the sloping plain of Ventura towards the ocean. And I have worked with projects in the water table, and it is not fun. It is expensive. It ends up making the time of the construction much, much longer, and it, it devours the budget. So uh, we're very cautious to do anything down in that, in that water table. Um, blending past and present. I remember what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> blending, blending past and present. Um, so the Thompson frontage, it, we decided, let's, you know, the, the objective here is to create a, a collective, not a one thing, not a monolith. So we made the design de decision to make the Thompson frontage more contemporary. It's a boulevard, it's faster. Uh, so we've got a form, base, uh, form board concrete, we've got uh, a horizontal lattice, we've got more contemporary uh, aesthetic to it. And then as we come around the corner to the other kind of two increments, go ahead, next slide, please, we get into a more traditional aesthetic. Still, you know, it's a commercial um, mixed-use aesthetic. It is not a Victorian house across the street. It's, it's different than that. And we'll talk about that some more in a minute, too. But this idea of Figueroa and how important it is and how does our project help frame that and, and put importance on the mission, I think this slide says a lot about that. We have 22 feet from the face of curb to the face of our building, 22 feet of sidewalk and, and cafe patio and storefront. Um, I think it's wonderful. And it's doing exactly what we wanted it to do when we created that first specific plan. And there's the mission right there. The mission is absolutely enhanced by this, very much in the same way that the tall buildings on California Street frame City Hall. It's very similar. Next slide, please. Here's the Ventura Inn to the question of how does a building that tall, go back please, how does a building that tall relate to the buildings that aren't as tall? Well, there it is. Is that offensive? It's, it's, a, it's a collage. That's what the downtown is. And I was really struck by the images that, that Gene was sharing on the screen of all the different buildings, the wave. I love the wave. I mean, it's, it's got some issues. There's things I would have done differently, always. Um, it's not a, a mission-style building. It's not a, I don't know what it is, but it's wonderful. It does what it needs to do, and it does it in a very urban way. And it's got that wonderful urban space inside of it that, you know, who would do that? The only reason that happened was because it was a partnership between the city and the developer, and they wanted it to, to be a, a civic thing, and it's beautiful. Uh, what we've done instead is cut our corner away to create a plaza because we've got to find places to create open space in the downtown. Um, next slide. So here's our project. So go back again, Gene. Ventura in. Next, our project. I don't find this offensive. I hope you don't. Next slide, please. Oh, and by the way, back again. Um, that underpass, if you stand on the mission steps and you look down Figueroa Street, you will see the blue ocean through that portal. And it's wonderful, by the way. Next slide, please. So yeah, streetscape. Uh, those are live-work units above the shop fronts. The ter I'm hearing an echo. Oh. Um, very distracting. Uh, next slide. Or next, yeah, next. So one of the things I love about these projects, the, the ones that we've been involved in with the inclusionary housing. Whoever, whoever's got the speaker on, turn it off, please. Okay. Um, okay. Um, as I said before, our whole zoning system, and I've really become aware of this. I went to the Housing California conference two weeks ago, and it was, and there were very few architects there, by the way. 
the emphasis was on policy and how we've been developing our, our state for the last 60 years. And it became very clear that there has been even an unconscious system of segregation, not necessarily of race, but certainly race plays a part in that, but of income. The beauty of this project, and I, I say it and people snicker when I say it, there are 13 very low income apartments in this building. And there are apartments that are going to be at market rate, and they're going to be expensive, and I probably wouldn't want to pay the rent to live there. But the people who live in those very low-income apartments are going to be able to have a glass of wine or a beer on that terrace at sunset, along with the people who are paying the high rent. And they may have served that person lunch. They may have been working to, to clean the streets. This is a new model. We haven't had this opportunity, not in this community, not very much in California, frankly. And we're going to see more of it. The state has figured out how to incentivize private developers to build housing that doesn't cost taxpayers anything and make it accessible to a diverse cross-section of the population. That is fantastic. So let's not to be taken lightly, in my opinion. Next slide, please. Courtyard. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, so I, you know, if we want to talk about some views, um, I guess I first want to point out that the downtown specific plan allows on that corner site that we're seeing there where the two trees are sticking up, the downtown specific plan very specifically allows for a two-story building to be built there above Poli Street. All along the length of Poli Street, two stories is allowed. So we're not talking about views from Poli Street, in my opinion. We're talking about views at streets looking out towards the coast. Now, this is a conversation I'm sure we'll be having with the Coastal Commission and, and with, with you all, but we wanna be very, very careful about how we look at that. Uh, next slide, please. So there's the project. Next slide, please. Now, there was something about the, the visibility of an island or something, but if you, I, I can't zoom in on it, but right to the right of that building is an island. It's right there on the, so from the middle of Poli looking, or of Poli looking down Palm Street, there's an island visible. Now, when the project that's approved next door, you know, on that other lot gets built, maybe that goes away. I don't know. But when we drafted the specific plan, we focused on public views and public view corridors, and the Coastal Commission was right there with us. That's what we focused on. So when you go, next slide, please. So here's another one. There's, you know, you can see the condos right next door, completely obliterated views. And then the mission, which, by the way, I was one of the architects on the uh, Sarah Center and, the, and that school building there. Um, and yeah, I don't know that we intended it. You know, we just skirt the horizon line right there with the top of the roof. I'm sure that wasn't intentional. Next slide, please. There's the project. Probably wouldn't even notice it as you're speeding by in your SUV. Um, Grant Park, now this matters. Big deal here. Next slide. There's the project. Next slide. To the concern of Figueroa. There's the, the site empty on the right side there. You can see the courthouse. Uh, next slide, please. And there's the frame view and the new street trees that we'll be planting and the wide sidewalk. And there we are. Next slide, please. So the two, two images below, existing Ventura, two images above, future Ventura. That's what we're all about, from my view. What are we building? Thank you.
Uh, are there additional presenters from uh, the applicant? No? All right. Questions for the applicant? Can I chime in real fast? I have height information. Thank you. You tell. Okay. Mari Sell. To the highest ridge line, it's 56 feet, 2 inches. Uh, Ventura Downtown Housing Project. Top of the tower is 69 feet. Top of the ridge, 53 feet, 7 inches. Finney's, 85 feet. Ventura Inn, about 71 feet to the top of the parapet. Um, there is a AT&T facility on top that exceeds the 71. I think it goes up an additional 10 feet. Um, the wave it, to the top of the parapet is 70 feet. To the top of the just the roof line where the um, top plate is, it's 63 feet. Did I miss one? No, that's a pretty good survey. There you go. Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome. Further questions for staff or the applicant? Okay. I am going to open the public hearing, Madam Clerk. Do we have speakers on this topic? Chair Comdom, yes, we do. Um, we have 24 speakers. 24 speakers. Um, I'd like to see if everybody would be able to accommodate a two and a half minute uh, talking period. Well, I want to have an open and honest discussion about this, so we'll go with three minutes. Madam Clerk, let's roll. If, if I may chime in for public comment, we, we just ask that, uh, that you hold any applauding, any um, booing, jeering, responding to any public comment on, on either side of uh, for or against the project. Again, we want to create a safe space for public comment to be provided. Thank you. Our first public speaker is Saria Kraft, followed by Bob Guthrie. And the clock. Thank you, commissioners. At the design committee, meeting for this project, the chair asks city staff if it complies with the downtown specific plan. It wasn't their first meeting on this. She doesn't know. She'll get back to them and report to you folks. Now staff report says it does. But former mayor and 17-year council member Christy Weir says it ain't so. Well, if it doesn't adhere to the plan, if it deviates from height restrictions by three stories, why are we here? Does the plan have no meaning? Ask your lawyer in which, ways in which you are not mandated to grant a height concession. There are. At that DRC meeting, a member said, quote, I love density. The denser, the better. Close quote. He embraces the Oxnard sardine model for our city. Do you? Beyond profit, development is about what you build, where, and why. 
Most folks here could offer three or four neighborhoods that need infill projects, not in the historic core. I own part of a 40-unit apartment building, highly profitable, with less than half the units of this proposed project, on twice the land, with ample designated guest parking in addition to per-unit parking. It doesn't encroach on beach or hillside views, doesn't impede views of any historic jewels such as the Mission, doesn't adversely affect tourism, and doesn't pose traffic impacts. With no recent traffic study and none for this specific project, how can you responsibly assess the impacts? What about emergency evacuation for 300 more residents in an already congested area? The architect says it's a place to live and work. Work where? Trade desk, sure. Employees at the two hospitals, they ain't living in this building. More than half the proposed units are one bedrooms. Nearly a third are studios. 675 square feet ain't family housing. Does he think the waitresses on Main Street, the women who work at downtown shops they don't own, that these minimum wage workers can afford two grand for a studio? Does he think this is Glendale, Pasadena, Burbank, Santa Monica, Thousand Oaks? I can tell him why we are not those cities with those revenue streams, but he must already know. Stop putting the cart before the horse. Stop the backwards approach. Get a real economic development director in here, and please God fix the four main roads in this town. Without real jobs, real revenue, and reliable infrastructure, why build this? Lastly, I disagree with the applicant's uh, comparison of his project to the Ventura Inn, the footprint is far from comparable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tracy, could you pull up my first slide, please? I'm, I'm sorry? Could you pull up my first slide? Oh. Thanks. And Mr. Guthrie will have six minutes. Uh, he has been seated time by Eileen Shaw. Good evening. I apologize for putting you through another PowerPoint presentation, but hopefully you'll find it interesting. And you can put it up on here, or is it Tracy, just on everybody's? You, yeah, give us one moment, Mr. Guthrie. Okay. We'll restart the time. If we are showing the uh, PowerPoint, that the timer will not show in the screen. So, okay. 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 This first slide shows a picture taken by the developer for their view study. It's taken from Poli at Palm Street. Uh, City of Ventura has designated Poli as a scenic roadway. The building with the red line through it, I think you can see it there, is 211 Thompson. And that red line is placed approximately at the top of the fourth story. Now something you may not be aware of, maybe you are, is Anacapa Islands actually comprised of three islets. So to the right of 211 Thompson, you can see West Anacapa. But because of the fifth and sixth stories of 211 Thompson, you cannot see East Anacapa or Middle Anacapa. So next slide, please. 
This is another picture taken from Palm and Poli by my low-end cell phone. And it's showing that currently uh, East and Middle Anacapa Islets are visible. The red line's at approximately a six-story level, and the yellow line's at approximately a four-story level. So since Anacapa Island will be blocked by 211 Thompson, I think making finding five in the resolution would be very difficult. Next slide, please. This slide is comparing base density to the proposed project density in terms of units per floor. In the base study, they established that 82 units would fit in three and a quarter stories. That works out to 25.2 apartments per floor. In the proposed study, 94 units occupy 5.31 stories. That works out to only 18 apartments per floor, a fairly significant reduction. It's interesting to note that at 25.2 apartments per floor, per floor, for the proposed project, you would only need 3.73 stories. It's even more interesting to note that a building with 123 apartments in it, which would be the maximum allowed for the density bonus, would fit into a structure less than five stories. So why is there this huge discrepancy? Well, there's three things that I could see. The first and most significant one is they used subterranean parking for the base density study, and they did not in the proposed study, in the proposed building. The second thing is the footprint for the base density study is larger than the footprint for the proposed project. And the last thing is it appears that several of the amenities in the proposed project were not included in the base density study, and I can assure you there's lots of amenities in this project. Next slide, please. So how do you determine base density? I think you had some training on this just a couple of weeks ago, but let's review Assembly Bill 2334, signed into law January this year. It reads, if the specific plan does not provide a dwelling units per acre standard for density, which our downtown specific plan does not, then the local agency shall calculate the number of units by allowing the developer to provide a base density study, which they've done, they must maintain the same average unit size and other project details relevant to the base density study, excepting those that may be modified by waiver or concession to accommodate the bonus units, in the proposed project as in the study. Next slide, please. So that raises a question. My question is a bullet point up there. Subterranean parking is a project detail and relevant to the base study. So shouldn't it be maintained in the proposed project? Those are the exact words out of what I just read. And I think the answer to that is clearly yes. I could find no case law that would refute that. Maybe our attorney can, but I could not. It might be argued that subterranean parking is expensive so it can be excluded from the proposed project. Well, that would be incorrect because T5.1 does not require subterranean parking the developer chose to include it in their base density study. Therefore, since it's not required in 5.1, it is not concessionable, it is not waiverable, and whether or not it costs more is irrelevant. Next slide, please. Actually, uh, skip that one. Nick's already shown that. So this is my last slide. In summary, 211 Thompson, as proposed, will block public scenic views of Anacapa Island 
Therefore, I think it would be very, very difficult to make finding five in the resolution, and the Coastal Commission has, drawn, uh, has sent a letter in with concerns in that regard. Finally, subterranean parking is a detail in the base density. Maintaining it in the proposed project would lower the building without altering the number of total units, without reducing the number of affordable units, it would not change the number of amenities, and it would not change the open space. Just one level of subterranean parking would reduce this building by one full floor. So 5.31 stories would become 4.31 stories. It would, be, it would not block views of Anacapa Island, and it would be more in compliance with the intent and the requirements of the downtown specific plan. I'd be happy to answer any questions since I still have 30 seconds if you have any. Thank you very much for your presentation. Our next public speaker is Wendy Sauter, followed by Pete Freeman. Good evening. My comments tonight have everything to do with more housing, while at the same time being respectful to the city's history and natural resources. In fact, I'm happy that the developer is offering 13 very low-income units. I also want to emphasize what the applicant states in their own letter on page five, that the larger commercial space will allow for greater commercial rent, which will provide for the cost of the affordable housing units. So the cost of the affordable units is covered. I want to address the height of this building. The builder can still get the 94 units without going up 69 feet. Per AB 2334, the builder should include subterranean parking since they included it in the base density study. As planning commissioners, I believe you can require this change, which will reduce the height and still maintain the 94 units. Although the applicant now says it's too expensive, it was their study. In addition, other buildings in this area have subterranean parking. They are the Buena Vista on the beach, the Wave, and the affordable housing development, among others. If you require subterranean parking, this project can be reduced one entire story. This reduces the applicant's need for as large of a height concession, bringing it more in line with recently entitled projects, but still resulting in the largest concession to date. This developer will get an additional 75% fourth floor, 31% fifth floor, a 13 times what Cora got for a fourth and nearly double what they got for a fifth. None of the entitled projects are anywhere near the mass of this building since they are merging lot lines and not building two separate buildings required by the DTSP. The applicant wants six stories so they can charge astronomical rents to get a view of the ocean. Per apartments.com, this applicant's other project, Caltom, is asking $4,900 a month for a two-bedroom, two-bath ocean view unit. If the developer gets everything they want, the character of our historical district is changed forever. Every applicant in the future will use this as an example of why they should have at least 69-foot structures, if not more. Two of the DRC members realized this and repeatedly said they thought the building was too high. Unfortunately, their comments did not make it in the final motion, but Mr. Groden specifically stated that the height of the building 
changes the feel of the area design-wise. He and Mr. Antelman were both concerned about the height of this building. Please require that this builder proposed subterranean parking is done. It was their proposal. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Ms. Hunter. Our next speaker is Pete Friedman, followed by Carol Spector. Evening, commissioners and staff. Um, so there are approximately 10 other projects in the downtown specific plan or DTSP area that have recently been entitled and which include affordable housing. All of these projects were able to achieve the inclusion of affordable units by adding a percentage to the allowable fourth floor and with only two of those adding an additional very small percentage of a fifth floor. None of these projects needed an additional two floors for financial feasibility reasons as stated was a necessity by the applicant for this project at the September DRC meeting. Also, the applicant states in their letter included with the project plans that, quote, lastly, the requested incentive to allow for the ground floor commercial space to exceed the 18-foot maximum floor-to-floor -floor height will allow for greater commercial rent, which will provide for the cost of the affordable housing units. If this is the case, then why the additional floors? The DTSP states, exceptions are strongly discouraged since they severely compromise the ability to fulfill the plan's goals, policies, and actions. Along with that, the DTSP states, the project authorized by the warrant will not unreasonably or unnecessarily interfere with the scenic view from any other public or private property, including but not limited to public streets and other public areas. This project clearly interferes, interferes with views of East and Middle Anacapa Island and the hills of Ventura from the public streets as shown in the view study. The vision of our visions of our own 2005 and current general plan being developed state, we will protect our views of the ocean and the hills. By including one floor of subterranean parking, this project could be built to reflect the other entitled buildings referenced in the staff report. It would give the applicant a 31% fifth floor which would be more in line with other developments. The applicant states that due to the high water table, this would lead to significant additional costs to construct a subterranean parking structure. But why then could other developments in the area include subterranean parking, those that include affordable units? Reducing the overall height of this project does not eliminate housing on the site. It could change the overall impact this project will have on the downtown area though. A shorter building would better fit the character of the area, not adversely affect the Figueroa corridor and mission area, and reduce or eliminate the obstructions of views and still meet all of the applicant's stated goals and objectives. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Frieden. Our next speaker is Carol Spector, Spector followed by Lucas Zabarski. Good evening, Planning Commissioners. Uh, it's nice to see the new faces. Um, I'm hoping you read the letters that were submitted for this project and will weigh them equally with what the architect was saying um, in his presentation. Um, you've been reminded over and over of the DTSP and several sections that do apply. Um, I'm not sure why some are quoted in the staff report and others are ignored, but we're asking you to look at all of them and treat them equally. A couple of highlights just from my letter. Putting this there is a huge safety issue. This is an evacuation corridor. 
During the Thomas fire, residents were stuck at this intersection, panicked, stuck with no way out. The state allows for rejection of variances if safety is an issue. Um, don't let the staff report and the builder use a few rogue projects that were mentioned that are either built or will be built to justify this aberration from our downtown specific plan. Allowing the 211 project, using that to justify it, will then allow others to follow and continue on this progression of height and density. Um, I have a letter from Tom, Father Tom from the mission and I wanted to read it to you. Um, so, dear Planning Commissioners, respecting the history and community of the downtown district and the significance of the um, Mission Basilica San Buenaventura, I request that the height and density of the proposed 211 project be restricted to a maximum of four stories. Even if zoning permits up to six stories under certain circumstances, what would the landscape of our community look like if we had six-story buildings spread throughout our historic district? Regarding the 211 project, according to Mr. Peter Gilley, former CDD director, the zoning only permits four stories. He quotes the downtown specific plan, but you've heard it quite a bit tonight, so I'll just use his words. I implore you to safeguard the views of the historic mission looking from both Main Street and the ocean. Structure should not take away from its historic and cultural aspect. Figueroa Street has several historic homes facing the proposed project that lead to Mission Plaza and the mission itself. This 211 project um, is not compatible with historic architecture. Um, the DTSP specifically talks about the orienting public improvements, um, especially Figueroa and the mission. He said, can one in all honesty believe that this project is conforming to this DTSP requirement? And he finishes with, Working residents and local families need affordable homes. This, obtain, this is obtainable without denigrating our protected historic and iconic treasures that already exist in Ventura. And he signed it, Shalom, <laughs> Father Tom Elawat. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Pector. Our next speaker is Lucas Zabrowski, followed by Judy Alexander. Good evening. I'd like to start out by piggybacking off of what she just said, where that intersection was an evacuation nightmare during the Thomas fire. I'd also like to add to that that it's in that T5.1 zone, it's very clear that there's only to be 3.25 stories. And as a father, I'm 20 years old, as a father, I don't want my children growing up in a landscape that's taller than that horizon line for the ocean. I feel that that's not a good way to handle things. Now, on top of that, off of what the developer said previously in regards to the Ventura Inn, I believe that those statements are not necessarily, how would I put it? They aren't accurate to today's standards. That building was developed on the, um, let's see, it was on the 1903 to 1925 City Hall plot and that was developed in 1926 into the Ventura Inn. 1926 was a very different time period for the regulations and building height in our town. Let's see. That's all I have. Thank you, Mr. Zabarski.
Hi, I'm Judy Alexander, and I'm representing the Ventura Social Service Task Force tonight, and I appreciate your listening to all of us. First, I want to commend, I know I'm in the minority here tonight, I want to commend the developer, I want to commend the architect for making the changes that agree with the design review. I appreciate the attention to detail to which they addressed, and I hope we don't go into subterranean um, parking given the changing climate that we're living in and how weather and floods affect low development, especially anything near the sea. What I appreciate mostly is that this development will have 13 not affordable units, not low income units, but very low income units, which will accommodate housing for many of those who do work in the downtown area. The live workspace also will accommodate those who are highly creative, just like the WAVE does, that need, that can work from their home and do it legally. So I'm very appreciative of those. The character of our city is changing, whether we all like it or not. The need for housing is growing, whether we all like it or not. And the need to be supportive of a range of housing that is now fitting into the new character that is developing downtown is incredibly important. And I hope that you will consider the attention to detail that the architect and the developer did play and those who will be able to be housed. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Alexander. Our next speaker is David Wilkinson, fo uh, followed by Andrew, and I apologize, I cannot see, understand what the last name is, but they are from RRM Design Group. Hi, thank you. Um, so, um, let's see, where do I start here? But um, I just took some notes today, just to kind of try to gather my thoughts, but I don't have a well-structured speech, but I have attended the uh, previous DRC um, meetings on this proposal. I, I live in the downtown area I have for 15 years. I'm raising three kids downtown. So I walk down Figueroa Street, you know, a few times a week probably with my family. So I very much agree with some of the comments of the, of the, um, the applicant about the importance of that corridor. And I, I do think that that corner could be a very special thing, but this is, is, is too much. Um, I don't know how you, how you want to spin it, but to me, I'm an engineer, 3.25 you know, floors, stories, is 3.25 stories. This is that 5.3. So I, you can spin that however you want, but, um, and the, the 0.25, how that's not, you know, that doesn't make sense. You have uh, 0.3. So I don't understand the difference there. Um, so um, in DRC, um, I was very conflicted with the fact that a design review committee could not comment on height. I don't see how height is not part of a design, but um, you know, the comment was made that the cat's out of the bag and returned the height in downtown Ventura. So what, what does that mean? Just because other buildings are over the height limits that we're just gonna keep on going bigger and bigger. Um, the context slide that was shown earlier, um, that was all shown to set a precedence. That, hey, look, these other buildings are big, so ours is going that, that way too. 
That's very concerning to me because in years to come, that context slide is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And where do you draw the line? Other communities have surely done it, um, and I'm not sure why, why, why we can't either. We have to hold the line, otherwise Ventura is going to lose its charm um, sooner or later. Um, yes, we need infill. Um, if the general plan points towards that, absolutely. If you have an open vacant slot, an open vacant land, build it. Make it usable for the community, but not at almost six stories. Stay within the, the zoning requirements. Um, right across the street, 75 feet away, is one of the oldest houses in Ventura. Um, the only other house that I found older was Judge Edwin's house um, right here next to the City Hall. Um, 1897 is when the house was built across the street from this, um, this building. So again, um, thank you. Hopefully we can um, keep Ventura what it is, but also include some growth. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wilkinson. And actually with Andrew, he is representing the applicant, so we'll not be speaking at this time. Right. Uh, our next speaker is Scott Spencer, followed by Seth uh, Weiner. Thank you. I'll go quickly. I agree with most of the people that have spoke regarding the height and the presence of this building. Anybody who walks that or bicycles it, which I, I surf right there, I'm going down up and down Figaro all the time. I look at it, that is really, it's the gateway from downtown to the beach. It is an incredibly, I think, beautiful and important corridor that unfortunately already is one of those streets that when there's any one of the beach festivals, which I think last summer there was about four, not counting fairgrounds, concerts, and festivals, um, and so special events absolutely clog that street right now. So don't add 94 homes. It's clogged now. I sat in one of the, right in the middle of Figueroa, right before Thompson, and I don't even know what it was. It wasn't one of the bigger festivals. I sat for 15 minutes. Traffic didn't move. The guy in front of me got out and said, you know what, I've been here 20 minutes. If I were you, I'd turn around. So I illegally turned around and got out of the mess. The, the point being, this is not an uncommon occurrence. This is a fairly common occurrence. And so I think the planning for this area really needs to be well thought out because these streets aren't getting any bigger and the, the signals aren't gonna move any faster. And Thompson backs up from C Street Halfway, a lot of times it's backed up all the way to Figueroa. So you add that mass, and then the other thing is, I, I think they said there's 94, as many parking spaces as there are units. Well, the, most of these units are gonna have two cars. That's just how people live now. If there's two people living in those units, they'll each have a car. And then you got seven businesses. Well, where are the people gonna park for those businesses? I, it just seems like, this is a good concept maybe for River Park and Oxnard, where they already are building that kind of big, tall buildings that, I don't know, high density. But for that street, that lot is like one of the prime lots down at the beach. And I think building something that tall for all the other reasons everybody else has spoke about and the traffic issues and in the times of, of when there is a disaster, 
be very careful about uh, uh, allowing this to go as big as it's being asked for. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Spencer. Our next speaker is Seth Weiner, followed uh, by <clears throat> April, and I apologize if it's Rensdorf. Yeah. Thank you, Commission, for having me. I'm actually a resident of you know 214 Caltom. I'm one of the people that live in one of the expensive units that actually helped to subsidize some of the lower income. And I'll tell you, it's a great building. I sold a house and I ended up there as a result because it was too expensive to, to find another house I could buy in time to move into. Not only has their model worked, it's the most inclusive building I have actually ever seen. What I'm hearing tonight is a lot of people that want to be exclusive, not inclusive. Density does work, and people are failing to look at the fact that their property values are going to go up. They're not going to go down. This nonsense about, oh, there's not enough parking spots or there's not enough you know, room for growth, this area is changing. If people want to have positive change, you need to have density. Look what it's done in cities like San Francisco. You can look to McCovey Cove, right where the new, new ballpark is, and what that did to a rundown part of San Francisco is revitalizing the entire neighborhood. I'm not saying that this part needs to be revitalized, but it definitely needs this type of building. Six stories is not high. The view that they're looking at and making a contested point about these islands or the three islands, whatever it is, it's absolutely absurd to think that something that's going to go in that's going to block, potentially block, uh, two of the three islands that they were talking about is absolutely something that shouldn't even be considered because you could just walk down another 20 feet and see the same view. So the fact that you have a building there that can actually help low income and low low income is a really, really good thing. When you actually are able to combine these kind of people together, you, it's an amazing thing what you're able to see. And I don't think that any other building is actually doing that in this town or let alone anywhere in this region. And this region, this part of the world does need that type of housing. It's something that's definitely, in my opinion, needed. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Weiner. Our next speaker is April, and I'm sorry about your last name. I couldn't remember. Um, I stand before you as a renter and also a property manager. Um, one of the things that I would like to address is a lot of people speaking this evening own homes. Well, some of us don't have or will never have the opportunity to own a home. So with that, with new buildings being built, that gives us an opportunity to have something nice that we can call home, not a 30 or 40 year old building. Um, it, you know, a new fresh building, apartment, you know, and all the amenities to come along with it. Um, housing is definitely needed here in Ventura County period. And um, I don't believe that a, the tall size of the building is gonna make any difference. Um, and the way it's being developed and designed actually fits in that location. Where does Cora fit in? It looks like an institution. The colors, everything do not even match that area. So at least with this development, it's fitting into the landscaping, the whole theme of Ventura. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Rensdorf. 
Our next speaker is Ronnie Rudell, followed by Karen Flock. Hi. I live at the Caltom also. I'm from New York City, so I'm from a place with really high density buildings. But I've also lived in a lot of other cities in America. Um, I'm a circular strategist and a sustainable designer. So the way that I look at this new building is the future of Ventura. I look at the building as creating a space for creatives to live in the Ventura County um, with the work-live units. We'll bring the creative class here. I look at it as a place to let the working class have a place to live that's new, that's not run down and not moldy and things of that nature. Um, I see that there's no other option for Ventura but to build, and there's no other option to be more inclusive. And everyone, everyone's going to be at odds about these different types of things, but this is the only developer architect that has said about expanding the streets, about having cafes, about having different storefronts, about having people work and live right there. This is, um, this is an expansion of the wave. This actually creates that whole one district of that part of town to be the creative part of the town. And I think that's what Ventura needs. So I'm all for it. I'm not focused on the height and the parking and everything of that nature. Because I want to say one other thing. You know, a building like this should bring in like an electric bicycle station, like B-cycles, so that people can actually rent their bicycles. They should have car sharing. They should have things that are like what sustainable cities are building. I mean, if there's going to be like bikes that are rented and people could just take a bike and ride all through town, there's not going to be as many cars in the street. So think of this as a model toward the future of what Ventura can be. And a building like this has space to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Odell. <clears throat> Good evening. My name is Karen Flock. Um, I'm a resident of Midtown Ventura, and I support this project. It's a good project, and we need this housing, and we need the affordable housing. Please don't let people who already are housed convince you to deny housing for folks who need it. As most of you may know, I work for the Housing Authority. We own the Palms, which is the seven-story building also on this block. And uh, we think this is fine, and just the Palms is a great community, and uh, we welcome new members of the community. Personally, um, I like modern design, and I like the way Ventura is eclectic, and I think this will be a great addition. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Falk. Our next public speaker is Amy Ch uh, Cherry, followed by Stephanie Cal Caldwell. Hello, commissioners, everybody. A lot of it's already been said, so I'm going to jump around a little so I don't repeat myself or repeat other people. Um, I, I happen to agree I, it's a good-looking building, um, and we're not against housing. Um, I don't care about density, um, but you could still get the same amount of units into that building if it was 4.3 stories tall. Um, I know you haven't had a chance to read the Coastal Commission letter yet, so I'm assuming this is going to be pushed to another date. Please take the time to read all of the public comments as well before you, be, you reconvene. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo, and also read the letter from, oh, so 
The applicant did address a lot of the DRC recommendations. However, they did not address any of the Coastal Commission recommendations, which they'll still have to, to do. Um, the build out at Figueroa and Thompson, um, it'll take away a turn lane in this already chokehold, creating an adverse impact and ability uh, to safely evacuate in emergencies, disasters, festivals, fairs. Um, I think it would be simple, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen them, the, the raised crosswalks, it also serves as like a speed bump, but um, it wouldn't be taking away the turn lane, so you would still have a straight lane and a turn lane, which would, would be a big improvement, I believe. Um, again, subterranean parking to reduce the height. Um, and I was curious about the SICA, how it got around that, because technically um, the, two, the downtown specific plan was done, the EIR was studied at 54 units an acre. I don't care if it's 82 units an acre, but um, it's a far cry from not being, or SICA waived. And let me see, do, 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 do. everything else has been said. Um, yeah, we need housing, we need affordable housing, but building all these buildings downtown with such amazing ocean views um, is only increasing prices everywhere else, so all the middle to low people won't have a place to live. And at 15% very low, that's gonna require 100 buildings to meet our very low income RENA numbers. None of the other arena numbers, just that. So if we spread it out throughout the town, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> we don't have to have six stories. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Cherry. Our next speaker is Stephanie Caldwell. Good evening. Uh, my name is Stephanie Caldwell. I serve as the president and CEO of the Ventura Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the chamber represents about 700 businesses with about 25,000 employees. I'm here in support of the staff recommendation. It is no secret that we have a housing crisis and we are losing our workforce to other communities with more employment opportunity, lower cost housing, and higher housing availability. Our rental vacancy is still hovering below 4%, which is far below a balanced market. Almost every day we hear the issues that many in our community face trying to secure suitable housing, particularly low-income housing. As a business organization, I hear daily the struggles of our employers to recruit and retain qualified workers, often citing the high cost of housing and lack of availability. I know that even the city of Ventura has had challenges hiring and retaining employees because of this. Projects like 211 Thompson will go a long way to adding much needed affordable units, even more valuable since they are, as we've discussed, very low on the income level. These units are desperately needed. I know that uh, you have read a lot of the uh, supplemental package and the comments, and I know that you'll hear tonight many who claim that the project will destroy the community character here in Ventura. I argue that community character is not created by a building or a series of buildings, Community character is born from the unique and diverse people who live in a community and breathe life, culture, and activity into those structures. We need to be inclusive and have a place where all of our diverse workforce can live and continue to call home. When SOAR Initiative established curb lines for Ventura's outward growth, it acknowledged that the future of development would be higher density infill projects just like this one. 
I know I need not remind you that the reason that the state has implemented the density bonus laws and other policies that limit local control is a direct result of lack of meaningful development that has been justified by many of the arguments that you've heard tonight. Ventura is in many ways the poster child for these more limiting state mandates on housing, and there are more to come. I support infill development, and I support this project. Respectfully, I ask that you approve the staff recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Codwell. Our next speaker is Melanie Petriska, followed by Anthony Ventura. All right, let's see what I can get in here. The first thing that I see that's alarming is that we have a 44% Latino community in the city, and there's no Latino representation on the commission, which I think is pretty concerning in itself. Um, obviously, the height issue has been mentioned several times. I'm a lifelong resident of Ventura. I cannot afford to buy here. $1,000 is not affordable for a studio. Somebody needs to make $40,000 to be able to only pay 30% of their income per month. If, if, if a two-bedroom apartment is $4,300 a month, that person has to make close to $185,000 a year. Less than 2% of the American pop population in general makes that much money. That is not, it's not uh, attainable for most people. I'm a middle-aged woman and I can't buy a home in my hometown. There's no rent control in Ventura. Thankfully, the state of California has put a 10% cap in February of 2020, but renters don't have a lot of power here. Uh, it, it is a home-owning uh, uh, constituency, to be honest with you. Um, my concern with the Calorama Thompson building is it's already rusting. Um, it already looks like it's aging terribly. And if you drive down Thompson, these big buildings create a lot of shadows and, and create a, an environment that's not aesthetically pleasing. I personally don't find uh, this design aesthetically pleasing, but that's a personal preference. Um, what else? Um, I, don't, I also don't believe that comparing the Ventura Inn is appropriate because those were built in the 1920s before the 3.25 ordinance was put in place. So it's kind of a manipulative argument in my humble opinion. Um, also, there was a condescending comment, in my opinion, about how poor people would be able to drink wine on that corner. Well, low-income people aren't gonna be able to afford the $15 glasses of wine uh, that are being served at those establishments. So it's a manipulative argument to say that, uh, again, the, it's mostly service industries downtown. Those people make minimum wage. That's about $28,000 a year. So that means that most of their income would be going to rent. That's not affordable housing. $1,000 a month or even 900 is not affordable. The 30% the ratio is actually $672 for $15 an hour. So again, I just find that argument to be manipulative. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Chester. Our next public speaker is Anthony Ventura. Mr. Ventura, I have made you a panelist. You have control of your mic and camera. Good evening, planning commissioners. My name is Anthony Ventura, and 
I am a member of the Southwest Mountain Regional State uh, State of Carp Council of Carpenters. I live and reside in the city of Ventura. I have four children that, that live, two of them live here, two of them live in Oxnard. Uh, we talk about affordable housing, but yet what we don't talk about is, is the workers that, that build that. The average worker in, in, in Ventura County makes roughly, uh, their wages are roughly $42,000 a year. I, I know, uh, you know, bartenders and waiters, theirs is a lot less. We talk about $1,000 for the rent for a unit and, and how there's affordable housing. And I heard also as well as somebody make a comment about saying that, um, that you know, that uh, this place isn't going to change any difference on, on, the, on the way that downtown looks. It actually would. And you've got to realize that the construction workers that are going to build that can't even afford to live there. And, and there's something, there's something wrong with that. I mean, there really is. I, I also heard somebody say that, you know, they, they loved uh, being able to raise their kids in Ventura and be a homeowner. Well, you know, my kids can't afford to be a homeowner here in the city. I mean, they're, they're all renting. The contractors that come here to build projects like that come from other areas. People that end up moving into those high, high density, five, five story buildings. They're usually not from here. If you go to the Ventura Triangle, most of those people are coming from LA and they're commuting back to LA. We don't want this to be another Glendale or Burbank where it prices everybody that's from Ventura, including myself out of the area. I heard a gentleman say too, that it, it increased his, his uh, money for his house. It, it brought up the, the property value. That's not what it's about. This is about putting a face to the workers, the people that serve you, the construction workers that build that. Those are the people that are being left out on, on, on projects like this. They can't afford it. They can't, they can, when they build it, they can't even afford to live in it. So we're, we're missing out on a whole group of people that they can't afford places like this. So myself personally, as a resident and as a constituent, I don't support this project. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ventura. Are there any other speakers, Madam Clerk? Yes, we have three more public speakers online. Our mm -hmm. next speaker is Natalie Bruton. I've made you a panelist. Natalie, you have control of your mic and your camera. Natalie, you have control of your mic and camera. All right, we will try the, our next speaker. That will be Ross, and we will come back to Natalie. Ross, you are a panelist. You have control of your mic and your camera. Ross, I've seen you've, uh, you've turned on your mic. Hello? Okay, we will go ahead and try Andy Rally, and then we will try Natalie and then Ross once again. 
Andy, I've made you a panelist. You have control over your mic and camera. Hello. Hi, we can hear you. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I just have a quick couple of quick questions. Um, one question is, uh, I'd like to know the point of having a downtown specific plan, uh, especially the maximum height requirements and other restrictions and guidelines. Um, if you're not going to abide by it, I mean, I don't understand why all the money was spent and time spent on the people who made these plans to protect against projects like this. And when the time comes to implement them and what they're used for and designed for, um, the rules are changed or they're really stretched to the limits and changed where it's not even close to the original idea of the specific plan. Um, I think the whole reason for having them was to keep the character and the view sheds and obviously all the obvious everyone's been sitting tonight. So um, that's all I have to say. I just really would like to know why they're not being implemented as written. Thank you. Thank you for your comment, Mr. Rowley. All right, well, we will try Natalie again. Natalie, you are a panelist. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, terrific, thank you so much. Okay, uh, good evening, commissioners, staff, and Ventura citizens. Thank you for your time, and I'm pleased the digital world allows me to be present, albeit not physically present. So let's begin. The essence of Ventura is created by our historical areas. Key to this, we are a mission town with a classic city hall. We, our essence is defined by our coastal access and activities. In addition, that is created by our, our essence is created by our vast views from the beach and the hillsides. This is what makes Ventura unique and a desirable place to live and brings in tourist money. Projects 211 design does not enhance the essence of Ventura. It does the opposite. This is apparent by the numerous public comments that are against the project. Along with those public comments, you have heard from some very brilliant Ventura citizens tonight. They have provided you with detailed reasons and rationales for this project to be denied as it is currently designed. These are also in your packet, which must be reviewed in, in, and give yourself enough time to absorb what it has to say. I will, however, comment on a couple of things. Maintaining the DTSP versus density is achievable if you have creative design. Underground parking is imperative. Item two. Appearing as two buildings, which I now understand are called increments, is not actually two buildings. It is not the same. Massing is real. Actual breaks are required. Coastal access and views, per the Coastal Commission's letter, which you received today, it, it is apparent due diligence has not been done. Appropriate and, and accurate view studies must be completed and shared with the public. We all know at any angle, I can either be three feet tall or 10 feet tall. These studies must be accurate and truthful. Item four, prior 
Prior items do not equate to precedence. Old buildings are not a precedence. Bad on bad does not equate to good. When, but when too many waivers, exceptions, and warrants are given, we lose. The DRC did not overwhelmingly approve, it, approve this. I'm a business owner, I own commercial and rental property owner, and understand the financial implications of design. Design which overwhelms its neighbors actually lowers the value of surrounding properties. We are not looking to recreate historical buildings, looking for enhancements. This project does not do it. So many, so many Ventura citizens and the culprits are asking you and imploring you to deny the project as designed. Send it back, require the project, and preserve the essence of Ventura. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Bruton. And Chair, our last public speaker will be Ross. Ross, I've made you a panelist. You have control of your camera and mic. Ross, I've seen you've unmuted yourself. Please begin. It appears you've now, oh, there you go. Please try again. Thank you, Ross. I'm gonna go ahead and put you back in as, as an attendee. Okay. Um, with no more further public comment, uh, did you, you already spoke, do you, would you? Um, you've used the allocated three minutes. Thank you, though. Um, at this point, uh, the applicant can come up and has five minutes to make comments, rebut anything if they wish. Thank you, Mr. Chair, members of the commission. I think it was it was good to hear folks speak. I think at the at the heart of this is finding a way to put the very low density into a project and do it in a way where it meets it has good design. The economics of it are really challenging. Um, somebody brought up the economics. The the 13, 14 units will cost us order of magnitude $7 million to build. So there's, a, there's, an, there's an economic equation in this. And um, I own an affordable housing project. I've owned one in Camarillo for a long time. I have a two-year waiting list on that project. It does feel good to do this. It's hard. Um, just to give you an example, the $7 million carry, it's not, it will, it's not even... <laughs> It will pay the property tax. It won't pay for the carry of the loan. It won't pay for the 15% maintenance fee. So it's challenging. But I don't want to come to you today and force that in by using these rules and regulations. We, we, we met most of them. I think 68%. I think Gene brought that up. We really worked hard to meet as many as we could. 
But there was that spot we needed some help with to, to include these units. Uh, Groundwater is an issue. We, we know that from Caltom. We had subterranean proposed there. We started grading and the water was bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. And unless you want to pump that water 24-7, you have to bring it up. You have to bring it up out of the ground. This, this area is completely high groundwater. We can also exclude parking. I mean, the state's giving us things that we haven't used, but I don't think that's appropriate. I think people need a place to park right now. We know what our residents like. We know what renters like, and they like the place to park, a safe place. And we like that it's a safe parking spot. I think um, there was just a lot of other comments, um, but I, I wanted to kind of really focus on the inclusion of that affordable housing portion of it and how we worked hard. And we worked really hard to get the DRC. We did get a majority approval. We got, a, I think, a 4-1 vote there. It was important to us that we worked with them and got them to approve the design and recommend that to you. That was really important to us. We went back to the drawing board a lot on that. So it's a project we want to be proud of. We're going to own it. Um, we're, it's, it's really good to hear that the current project we have, we really have strived to keep, create sort of a, a, a community for renters, you know? They don't often get that. There's a lot of circa 60 and 70 buildings here in town. Um, and that's great, but we're, we're giving them something different. So um, I don't know if my, my staff wants to add anything. I do think that with due process, we did, we did address the views. We, we, we dug in, staff dug in. Uh, on the views. You could get on a scooter and ride around the city and you could say, there's the ocean, there it goes, there's the ocean, there it goes. And that could be about every building in town. You know, and you could do it with, you know, we're lure, the lure building. You could do it with any building. You could do it right here if I went behind the podium. So it's kind of futile to just go around this circle, especially getting something so late in the game. I don't know how fair that was. I don't know how fair it is to the process to do that. And I think we've adequately done this, and I don't think there's going to be any different result as a result of going around. So I would ask tonight that you guys act. If you're comfortable acting, if you feel like we've met the criteria, if you, if you think we've worked hard, um, I would like you to act tonight. I would like you not to delay. There's been a lot of delay um, in housing. Uh, one of the reasons why we maybe have such a deficit, but I would ask you to act tonight if you feel led to do that. Thank you very much, and we appreciate you guys. Thank you. Um, by the way, do we have any questions for the applicant? Yes? Okay. Vice Chair, would you like to jump in? Yeah, I definitely um, think that it would be valuable for you or your um, staff to talk, to talk about the whole process of the base study and how you came up with those numbers and then how that, you know, you know, progressed into the number of units. I think there's a lot of question on why did you have to jump two floors when, you know, he spoke so um, specifically about creating the number of units in, within an envelope. And, you know, and it's, so it's, I think it's very difficult to understand why that envelope jumped to so big to just include basically 12 more units, you know, went from 84 to, 82 to 94, I believe is that correct? Um, so if, I think some explanation there would be really valuable. Yeah, this, I, I can punt to the team. The, the, the additional units, there is some offsetting to pay for the 12. So there's, 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 we need to, there's a certain mix, like a bake the cake a certain way to do that where the economics work. But I will tell you, 
these guys are really good. I have to say it was confusing to me a bit, too, so I'll punt it over here. Good evening, commissioners. Todd Nelson, Rand Pastor Nelson. I'm a land use attorney who's been assisting the applicant team. Um, as, as staff mentioned, the state density bonus law has recently been amended to address situations like the downtown specific plan, where um, unlike more uh, historical zoning, there is no uh, lot area per unit or dwelling unit per acre um, uh, standard set. And in the downtown specific plan, there is no site-specific density. So the directive from the state legislature is to assess all objective standards that are required of a project to develop a realistic development capacity. And as the base density study shows that was submitted for the project, um, each of those standards that are mandated for a project were applied. Um, subterranean parking is not a mandated standard. It's an option. Um, above grade parking can be permitted or subterranean parking can be permitted. Um, the, the applicant prepared a base density study that showed subterranean parking, um, but as is their right under the specific plan, is proposing a project that proposes above grade parking. And in the application materials submitted and the findings in support of the project, that was described in, in consideration of the high water table and the costs associated with subterranean parking. By providing above grade parking, it creates a need to increase the vertical envelope of the site. And that is being specifically requested as an incentive um, pursuant to state density bonus law because it is utilized for those cost savings will allow the applicant to provide the, uh, the affordable housing units that are included in the property. In addition, the showing of a base density case with subterranean parking is also conservative because it has the net result of, under state density bonus law, required percentages of affordable units are calculated against the base density. So it, in effect, requires more affordable for the project. The prescribed state density percentages, and here the applicant is utilizing 15%, 15% against the 82 base density results in a greater increase in affordable housing, which we thought was a conservative approach as opposed to utilizing an option another way, reducing that density, and providing fewer affordable units. So the details, and, and if there are specific I have to confess, if, if there are very specific details about the, the precise dimensions of some of the standards, there's a, there's a detailed table under the base density um, exhibit that our, the RRM team would be better equipped to answer exactly how the building articulation dimensions are implemented for the base density study and how they carry forward to the proposed project. But that, in a nutshell, is how the approach was taken for the base density study in conformance with state law, and both state law for the preparation of that study, as well as state density bonus law considerations for incentives and concessions regarding those, those standards that are being deviated from. So um, did, was it taken into consideration to do a base study without the subterranean parking? I think, I think myself and perhaps 
the public and maybe some of the other commissioners would just like to see more of an apples to apples comparison just to understand. So if there was no sub subterranean parking, how many units would that, in, you know, how many units total and then how would that equate into how many, um, the very low income, you know, and, and so I think having that comparison would really benefit. Do you have those numbers or? We could provide those numbers, not at this, not, not right now. That's all. Thank you. Thank okay. You. More questions for the applicant at this time? Okay. So do you have a last comment? No. All right. Um, I think the way this is likely to go from here is I'm going to ask if it's the will of the commission to table this until further study of the letter that came in from the Coastal Commission. The Coastal Commission, as I understand it, is remanded to focus on two things, access to the coast and visibility of the coast. Um, and this clearly is an issue here. And that's why they're chiming in, albeit minutes before we had this hearing. And for that, I apologize. It's uh, it's unfair to everyone here. But um, with that, commissioners, any other comments before I ask for someone to make a motion to table it? This is something that needs to be voted upon, correct? To table this correct. until the next meeting? Any comments um, before we? Yes, Commissioner Abbey. You've already mentioned that we, the letter came in and like 345 this afternoon. It's kind of dense, it's packed. Uh, it's not necessarily long. It references a letter that, so the letter was today was April 26, and uh, references a letter from December 5th, which is also included. I did not have time to, I, I pulled it up at home. I didn't have time to read it or digest it, and I just don't feel it's fair to make a decision tonight without, uh, one, being able to digest these letters, but importantly as well for staff to digest it, analyze it, and decide how, at least what's their recommendation to how to view this. So, and, and the public too. And, to and the public, yeah. right? We, everyone needs to understand it. Yeah. All right. Um, I just have a question sure. for Netta. Uh, as it relates to the Coastal Commission's letter, it, there's, again, need to read it, um, but a little, in, have more time to read it, but it does say that it has recommendations uh, in terms of requirements. Are, are, I don't, are, are those recommendations or requirements, like how would the application continue to move forward with or without the things identified from Coastal Commission? Uh, thank you, Commissioner Busa. Um, they they are recommendations and requests from the Coastal Commission. Certainly, if the Planning Commission feels it needs that additional study um, to to be able to confidently make the recommend the recommended um, suggestions from the Coastal Commission and the findings as it relates to that, uh, we can certainly do that. Uh, my request of the Planning Commission, if that is the direction that you'd like to go tonight. Um, my request would be that you continue the item to a date certain and provide the applicant with uh, any specific information of the uh, additional studies 
or questions that you may have that haven't been addressed so that we can prepare all of that information and bring it back to you. If there's things besides just the Coastal Commission's request that the Commission would like more information on. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner Farley. And, and going off of that, I would like to clarify that with the density analysis that it sounds like the applicant would provide to us, um, work out what would happen if they don't put parking on the site. Because I think that's important in the density calculation. If it is another state law that they could balance off of, I think it's important to consider as part of the interpretation of what density would look like on the property. Including height, building heights, et cetera? Correct, with yeah. everything we've talked about. Yeah. Um, Vice Chair. <laughs> I see my poised I finger. <laughs> um, actually, I had a question for Netta. I just wanted to clarify. I think this was mentioned, but I wanted to clarify. The, the project does not, do, are they within the, the distance required of a public transit such that they don't have to allow, don't have to propose parking at all? Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I understood that. I, I guess one more thing. I, I would agree that we need to um, set a date for the developer um, and that, you know, we have specific questions and allow them to address those and set a date for them such that this doesn't drag on and on. I would agree with that statement as well. I agree. But um, the difficulty is, um, well, I don't believe it can be the next meeting. So um, the first point is for us to have someone um, move that we continue this to a date certain and choose that date certain and then um, give ourselves enough time to prepare whatever questions we need staff to research and have at the ready, uh, as well as delve into the Coastal Commission, which may lead to additional questions on our part. Commissioner Abbey. To ask our Community Development Director, Netta, um, how much time, because I would not want to delay the decision. I'm, I don't think we're prepared to make that decision tonight. So I'm not asking for a long delay. Uh, how much time do you think staff would need to uh, answer that as well as um, Commissioner? Uh, Farley. Yes, Farley, sorry. Com uh, Commissioner Farley to answer her question as well. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Abbey. I, I believe if the project was continued to a date certain of May 24th, which is the next meeting, uh, that we could prepare that information. I'm looking for shaking of head yes or no from the applicant team. Um, if, it, if we do find that that is um, infeasible, we will absolutely, uh, at the next meeting, continue it to a future meeting or... Um, uh, at that point, table it and notice it for a, uh, a date uncertain and re-notice and reschedule it. Um, so if the commission is comfortable, we would be comfortable with a continuation to the May 24th hearing. Yes, Commissioner Abbey. I move that we continue this to May 24th meeting. All right. Do we have a second? I'll second that. Okay. Vice Chair, seconds. Um, so... Our mandate is to get our questions, there's been a couple posed of staff now. Uh, shall we say any other additional questions for staff will be submitted to them by a week from today? 
our preference would be that you indicate those now for the public to be aware as well as the applicant and us of what additional information you would like. So I've heard from Commissioner Farley, um, uh, clarification on the base density also including without parking, Vice Chair Log request about more information about if there was not subterranean parking in the base density study. Um, we had questions about heights of surrounding projects, which we indicated, but we can also put that in written information for you. We did uh, look into subterranean parking of the surrounding projects, none of which that have been built with subterranean parking, um, so we can have more information. Is there anything I'm missing in the line of questioning that's been presented? Um, I don't know if this is an appropriate question or not. Um, is it possible to evaluate uh, having the same number of very low uh, affordability housing at a smaller scale? I don't know if that's something staff could do, if staff could work with the applicant, or if that's not something that's appropriate. I don't know. Uh, Commissioner Abbey, could you elaborate when you mean smaller scale, meaning smaller unit sizes? No, um, I'm, I'm not prescribing the unit sizes. I think the 600 and something average is, is appropriate, so I'm not saying it needs to stay at that. Mm -hmm. um, have a building height that is lessened. Um, I don't know if I should be prescriptive about that. Uh, um, are you suggesting fewer overall units? Uh, no, actually, can can they accommodate um, the same number of units in a different building configuration that uh, lessens the impact, especially on the uh, the heights and, and presence on Figueroa, namely? I I think we could try to have conversations with the applicant. I do, and I, I do want to point out uh, for, for clarification, and we can also include this in the next meeting, the applicant is providing 13 very low income units. Based on state density bonus law, that allows three concessions and an undefined amount of waivers. It also allows the applicant for a 50% density bonus, meaning they are allowed 50% more units off of their base density that they've calculated to be built into the project. That's irrespective of if of the 13 affordable units, they are allowed more density, which then again can translate into uh, one, the concessions, but also the additional height. So the, the addition of the additional floors, and we've heard public comment around this, of how is it that you're going to such a, a, a larger increase in height if you're just doing 13 units, well, the law also allows them 50% more density than uh, our requirements and regulations allow. And so um, we can put some more information around that. But uh, Commissioner Abney, I think the applicant team would be willing, and, and I'm looking for yes or no again, to, to talk more with us of are there alternate configurations that would achieve um, a middle ground. So how shall we handle if, after reading the Coastal Commission letter, we have questions based upon their comments? 
So the Coastal Commission letter did indicate some uh, additional information that they were wanting or recommending staff to provide and the applicant to provide. We can work with the applicant in doing those specific data point analysis that they're requesting um, to, to bring back to the Planning Commission, um, providing that information to make the, the findings and uh, address the comments the Coastal Commission raised. Okay. That works for me. Any, I, I just yeah. uh, clarifying um, Commissioner Abbey's request here. Are, are we asking the applicant to potentially look at redesigning their project in order to keep the same units but at different massing? Potentially, yeah. I don't know that I agree with that approach at this time, but thank you for clarifying that. Mm -hmm. um, Let me clarify, you don't agree with the approach of asking them to do that? I, I'm, I'm, are we asking the applicant to redesign their entire project with a new height with the same Commissioner, uh, what, what units? In fact, so are, it's you, like, am I gonna, are, are we going to have to have this team go through a whole redesign of their project? In pro forma and all that? that that's what, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I understand. Uh, your microphone, I don't believe, is on. I was wondering if it could be done. I think having 13 very low, affordable, uh, low, very low affordable is des desirable. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we need. I think we need workforce housing downtown. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I, I, you know, traffic and parking is something that concerns me. Um, I think one thing that. Uh, came up at the DRC um, without getting into that full discussion. I, I watched the whole two-hour meeting over the weekend, and um, it didn't really come out in the notes. There were two, uh, two um, commissioners, the chair and the vice chair, who did not like the height of the, of the building and felt it affected the design. I, I feel I... Uh, would like to see if there's something that can be done uh, in the design that can still accommodate the same number of units, not asking for less units, can still provide 13 very low affordable housing, and uh, can, uh, whether that be setbacks on Figueroa, whether that be setbacks on Thompson, but I'm particularly concerned about the view shed on uh, Figueroa, um, I am also still interested in what the uh, Coastal Commission says about view sheds, so I'm not saying, you know, that's not a part of the equation, but that's what I'm looking for. And just to be clear, Commissioner Farley has asked for them to come back with the proposal of no parking, which would, you know, which affects two stories of this, as I understand it. I understand that that's, you know, potentially the developer's option. Um, I think they... Uh, may well, I, may I suggest we, we not opine about this now, but so let's clarify. Good point. Be, because I, I think your request is a big one. It's, it's a very large request. Can you go back and redesign everything 
with pro formas on financial status, et cetera, internally to make it work. Um, I'm gonna suggest you, you it, try and narrow that down um, because a complete redesign is significantly different. I mean, what I would suggest you do is to vote no at, at some juncture and, and then if you win the day, then make your suggestion. But a complete redesign at this point is pretty severe, in my opinion. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, so we have a motion and a second. Um, step on up, here we go. Um, I, I appreciate the discussion, but I think we need to set some expectations because Chair? this. Yes, one moment, don't, please. Don't we, point of order, don't we need to at least op reopen the public hearing? Uh, yes, this is the applicant's rebuttal. Um, I'll open it for technical reasons. I'll say we're back open um, with the public. I appreciate that, Chair. Yes. I think um, this was carefully crafted, carefully crafted with the rules, what rules we needed to use, the affordable, the economics of this. I can't. And, and including the income that I'm expecting to get by providing parking. People aren't gonna pay as much if the parking's not there. The Coastal Commission's concerned about the parking. I'd love to do that. Another project maybe, but this one, as it stands, it works. And that's what I'm presenting to you. And that's what we've worked really hard on. That's what the DRC is designed. So I, I don't wanna give you guys the impression that I can redesign this. We are more than willing to take your comments and the density bonus stuff and there's some confusing stuff in there and simplify that or present that differently definitely you know I'm a little I, you know the, the the state letter gonna do my breathing exercises there but we're going to address that and come back to you but I but the project it was carefully crafted and it meet and it's 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 the package right. that meets all those things Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So with that um, comment, Commissioner? I would just like to clarify, I was not requesting a redesign, more of a clarification on what a project could look like, minus 96 parking spaces. It's a significant amount of space within that building that I think if is not required, would lead to a much higher density. I think it's important for the public to understand what a project like that might be, yes. even if it's not redesigned. So my clarification is not to redesign, it's right. just to understand that concept. I understand and um, I'm going to ask the applicant if a conversation in that way in rough terms, because frankly, what we're not thinking about is the economics of paid parking and all of this and how that works into whether they can make a project or not. Yes, please. My architect said he could do it. Okay. <laughs> we'll be glad to provide it for you. It scares me economically. It doesn't work, but I think it's good to look at things, and we're glad to do that. But I just want to, again, set expectations that it's, yeah. it's, it's a really tight Rubik's Cube that we yeah. have to bring to you. To get the affordable, to take care of $7 million deficit, it's really tricky. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm now going to close the public hearing. And uh, do you have a comment? Uh, j just that we restate the motion and second it and do roll call, I think. Okay, very good. One more comment from Vice Chair. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just actually had a request from um, city staff that kind of glossed over it today, but um, a little more. I think one of the 
part of the resolution was for us to approve the CEQA determination. And if I'm not sure, maybe just a little more information on that. It doesn't need to be tonight, but just to make sure I understand. Uh, sh sure, uh, Vice Chair Log Request. Uh, we are categorically exempting this under CEQA um, as a Class 32. Uh, I know there was questions around that, but we can provide more information about how the analysis of the DTSP was done. Again, the DTSP is not a, is not a um, traditional density per site. It is a form-based code with no prescribed density. So the analysis that was done of the DTSP was a comprehensive overall specific plan with certain unit count and commercial thresholds that were analyzed for the area that are monitored, not a this site is going to build this many units or this, this much square footage, and the analysis was around that. And so that's used to measure projects and monitored. Once we exceed that threshold, further analysis will be will be done. We have not built a significant amount of downtown projects that was anticipated yet in the TSP, so we're not close to that threshold, but we can provide some more information. Okay, Commissioner Abbey, you were the motion maker, correct? Yes. Okay, and you have, what's the status of your, your motion? Basically, uh, it's to table to May, or continue till May 20th. Fourth, I yes. believe it was. Uh, it, it, it encompassed uh, Vice Chair Lagerquist's request. She can state that if she needs to, and uh, Commissioner Farley's request as well. Okay. Um, Madam Clerk, are you clear on those two And aspects? the Coastal Commission's letter. Yes, uh, an analysis by staff of the Coastal Commission's letter and their recommendation to the Planning Commission in response. Okay. And Vice Chair, uh, your second stance? Yes. Okay. Are we clear on where we are? Yes, I believe Director Isaiah um, has written everything down on that. Okay. Very good. With that, let's take roll on this continuation. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Busa? Yes. Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioners McCarty and Zucker are absent. Vice Chair Lagaquist? Yes. Chair Comden. Yes. That motion carries. That's good. So we'll get more information. I'm sorry for further delays, but this is very important, and let's get it all together, and we'll have hopefully another commissioner, at least one. I know one will be gone the entire month of May, um, but let's do that. Uh, that is the last formal item we have, so staff communication time. Uh, thank you, Chair Comden. Uh, co planning Commissioners, as you're aware, the next meeting of the Planning Commission will be May 24th. Um, as you are very well aware, you meet in the Council Chambers, and there are a lot of technology pieces that allow for uh, electronic voting and uh, requesting to speak that uh, the City Council uses. We also like the Planning Commission to be able to do that. Uh, the Clerk's Office will be here early at the next meeting. If the Planning Commission could come a little bit early so we can show you how to use those uh, pieces of, of digital equipment and uh, start implementing it in future meetings. So uh, if you could come between 5 and 5.30 and we can train and begin implementing that. So let's plan to be here for a 5.30 start on that. It'll probably take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but um, we'll jump into the 90s all at once. Okay. Um, commissioners, any announcements or? Yes, Vice so Chair. I, 
just realizing I, I have to, uh, on May 24th, I'll be at a public meeting in Yuma, Arizona, that I'm part of. Wow. So I just wanted to make it clear to the commission that I will not be here for that May 24th meeting. Okay. Are you able to attend virtually? Um, that public meeting is from 5 to 7, California time, PCT. It's one and the same in Arizona this time. Or we jumped ahead. No, it's the same time right now. It is now. the same yeah. time? <laughs> well. And then how does that work for the commissioners who weren't present this evening who would come back? Would they, since they didn't hear the pre, how does that work? Uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Busa. If they were absent of this at this meeting and will be present at the next, we will reach out to them and ask them to watch this meeting, um, to be familiar with the discussion and read the materials, and then be prepared for the additional information and discussion at the next meeting. Thank you. Okay. Any announcements? All right. Very good. Thank you, everyone. Um, this meeting is adjourned. Have a good evening.